Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krupnik, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli well, they apprehended a bunch of Chinese people sneaking in on the southern border. Why are so many Chinese people risking danger and crossing at the southern border? Hmm? And in Canada, they've decided that Christmas is racist. Shocking. Can't believe it took them this long. And uh, the security guard thrown out of the game last night. Everybody's upset about that. And also the anti-Jewish chants outside a restaurant in Philadelphia making national news. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. It is Monday. And what a Monday it has been so far. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And, you know, this pro-Palestinian mob chanting outside this uh, Philadelphia, Jewish-owned Philadelphia falafel restaurant. Um, outrageous. It really, uh, truly despicable and outrageous what, what's happening in this country. The hatred that is expressed so openly now out in the open. And these are all people on the left, you know. I mean, these, are, these are all people on the left who are doing things like this. There were no conservatives outside of Goldie's restaurant chanting, we charge you with genocide last night. Not, not a single person in that group was conservative or libertarian or anything. They're all people on the left. You know this. I know this. That's where the hate is. That's where the hatred is. It's right there on the left. Oh, and bank records show direct monthly payment from Hunter Biden's corporation to Joe Biden. That's right. Direct monthly payment. Shocking. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. How is that possible? How does that, how does that happen? How can they get, be able to trace the money like this? Well, despite the best efforts of the United States government and the Department of Justice to keep it from being tracked, uh, very smart people have figured out a way that they can make the dots connect from China to Hunter to Joe. China to Hunter to Joe. And probably other countries too, but the Chinese aspect of this is pretty amazing. And I, you got to wonder what China's up to. I mean, not that we'll ever be able to get any answers on this. There's, there's no way. This president will never push back. He's a solely owned subsidiary of China, wholly owned subsidiary. So he obviously can't do anything about this fact. But they just had a large group of mostly Chinese men captured on video in a California, in California, crossing illegally into the United States. Why, why is this happening? What is this about? Several of them are even wearing masks, which at least is very nice of them before they come and spread whatever pandemic they're sent here to spread. Uh, you know, when, um, when, when COVID was just getting off the ground officially in January of 2020, although we know that it was out there before that, you know, China sent people on flights around the world, right? And they sent people to America. That's what led ultimately to the, to the Chinese travel ban that President Trump instituted, former President Trump, Jimmy Matthews, just relax. Uh, that's what led to that. But China was purposely sending people. They knew there was a pandemic. They knew people were getting sick. And they were purposely sending people to the United States of America. I just have to wonder, given what we've heard about China 
China, given the fact that we know that there's this mystery pneumonia sweeping the nation right now, this potential white lung thing, and there's lockdowns again in masks and hospitals, and China's doing what they always do, which is to deny it with the help of the WHO, WHO, the World Health Organization, that's WHO, covering for China, doing the bidding for China again. You just have to wonder if China is purposely now trying to send a pandemic to our country. Because really, why? Why are more Chinese people risking crossing into the United States? Well, the New York Times, of course, has a piece. And uh, if you read the, United, United, uh, the New York Times piece, it's all because these are just migrants who have lost hope in the country's future. They've lost hope in China's future. Now, the New York Times is a communist entity. China is a communist entity. So I don't believe the New York Times would write a story like that dissing on China. I mean, let's be honest. Come on. What, what are you losing hope for? It's a communist wonderland. It's a whole Chinese, China, Disney, China, communist playground. What would you what would you lose hope for? And then to go through Mexico, they go through the southern border. Like they, they write about this, how how Gao Jibin and his daughter left Beijing on February 24th for a better life, a safer one. Over the next 35 days by airplane, train, boat, bus and foot. This is like planes, trains and automobiles, but Chinese illegal immigrant edition. Uh, coming to a screen in China, by the way, very, very soon. And that's where they'll make the money is in China. Well, the Asian market's huge for movies. Let's face it. That's why all these big companies. You know, I always tell you about the uh, the unholy triad of the corporate media and government and big tech and why the corporate media bows down to China in such a way. As each one of these entities is owned by a corporation that also has their film and TV edition, their film and TV division of the company. Well, think about it, right? I mean, let's take uh, NBC News. NBC News has MSNBC, the vile network with the biggest racist on television. Joy, what's her face? And then the other guy, Al Sharpton. I mean, just vile racist people openly spewing racist nonsense, conspiratorial nonsense. I mean, the show is nuts. All the shows are nuts. But they also own the gigantic, they're owned by Comcast. Comcast has a huge, huge movie and TV division. And they make their money on the Asian markets, not really in the United States. So they can't they can't upset them. And that's why they they kowtow to them. So the only reason why The New York Times would take the time to write such a story, which would be critical of China. I mean, people are escaping China for a better life in the United States of America. How's that possible? China's communists. We're capitalists. They're they're clearly better from The New York Times perspective. They're clearly better. But. I think there's something else going on here. I think it's much like how the New York Times covered for Ray Epps. You know, the New York Times, it's like they, they, they're actually covering for China by, by doing this to make it seem like these are just poor migrants in search of a better life. And in no way, shape or form are they people looking to bring harm to the United States of America, either through a pandemic as human carriers or as, uh, you know, potentially now hackers of some sort. Well, you, you don't you don't remember the fact that people left China to bring COVID across the world? Yeah, they did. And it, that, of course, at the time was a conspiracy theory that that was happening. But we know it was happening and we know the timeline matches up. Uh, it's all about the timeline. And we know that this was deliberate. China was trying to spread this thing. You know, whether or not it leaked out of a lab, whether or not it was an undercooked bat burger with a side of pangolin fries and a raccoon dog aioli, it, the China was trying to spread it. Uh, around the world, but particularly to the United States of America. And that was take two, because don't forget, take one, the first time they tried to spread it was in when the military world games were going on in China, in Wuhan, back in the fall of 2019. That was really the first time that China tried to spread it. But it, for whatever reason, I guess it wasn't super successful or 
maybe the people that were there were just too healthy to, for it to really have an impact. I mean, you're talking about the military world games. So you're talking about some very elite, physically elite people who possibly just were, had good immune systems. So maybe they were able to fight the thing off. But regardless, it doesn't change the fact that they tried. So why, why would all these Chinese people risk this treacherous journey to come here to a capitalist hellhole and leave the wonderful, beautiful promises of communism? I have a feeling it's really not about having a better life. I think it's for some other reason. But of course, it's a reason we'll never know because they're not going to tell us the truth. And just like how whenever we try to have these stories, by the way, I have to tell you, there's some breaking news right before we went on the, on the air today. And this is going to shock you. I know it shocked, shocked the executive producer, Matt DeSantis, when I told him this as well. And this is, this is, again, sit down, brace for this. Are you sitting? All right. I've had some shocking re- revelations today, but nothing, nothing as shocking as this revelation that I'm about to share with you. Are you sitting down? Sit down, please. Because if not, if something happens and I don't want to get in trouble, if you get hurt. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, you've been warned. Doug Burgum has suspended his campaign for president of the United States. I know, I know, you're just as shocked as I am. Doug Burgum has suspended his campaign for president of the United States of America. I know. Who saw this coming? Not me. And with my astute political vision, which some have said is impeccable, 2020, absolutely, and really almost like an ability to see the future politically, even I with my astute God-given gift to be able to predict politics, even I didn't see this one coming. Doug Burgum has suspended his presidential campaign. Now, it's only a suspension, and it's very possible that Doug may relaunch. It's possible this just may be a break. Maybe. But for the time being, at least right now, on Monday, December 4th, 2023, at 3.13 p.m. in the afternoon, Doug Burgum has suspended his presidential campaign. Are you going to be okay? I know this is a tough Monday. We had a very tough game last night. It was a horrible game. We're all starting Monday like this. It's kind of gloomy out, and the days are still getting shorter. We haven't hit that point now where we start getting time back, so we're getting the days are shorter and bad news all around, and then Doug Burgum drops out. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I Look, I don't like bringing this kind of news to you on a Monday. I try to make you happy. It's what I try to do. I try to lift you up and make you happy. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news like this. You're starting your day. You're going through your day today. You're like, come on, Rich, make me smile. And then I come on the air and I say to you, Doug Burgum just dropped out of the race for president. You're like, come on. This Monday can't get any worse, can it? Maybe. Maybe it can. Just don't, you know, you never know. The show just started. We'll see how things go. So, yeah, that's that. But good news, though, is that Owen Schroyer, was granted early release from prison on his January 6th charges. I'm sorry, now, what, the Daily Beast is reporting that Doug Burgum is seen now as a... What is this now, Matt DeSantis? Jump in here for a moment, if you would, now. Yeah, so, uh, so a little good news on the Doug Burgum front. Yeah, we, we all need it. Can yeah. I just say, let me say for the record, we could all use some good news on the Doug Burgum front. <laughs> so right. I'm so happy that my executive producer can, can chime in here and give us some good news on the Doug Burgum front, what do we got? So apparently the Daily Beast is reporting that he is seen as a potential cabinet pick in a hypothetical second Trump term. Well, that is, I mean, I mean, if that does not make your heart warm and fuzzy, I don't know what will. I feel better. My day's been saved. <laughs> My day has been salvaged. I can go on now. I was just going to break out a bottle of bourbon, but instead now I can keep going. 
I can make it. I can make it. Thank you for that good news. I am grateful. Whew, that was a tough day, uh, but it just got a whole lot better. Now, Owen Schroyer never should be have ever been put in prison. Never. He was a, um, a, a journalist. And he was charged with saying things that the government do- doesn't like. And he was put mostly in solitary confinement. He was sentenced to 60 days for charges stemming from his presence and remarks outside the Capitol building on January 6, 2021. Now, this was a guy who was walking around chanting 1776, which was a play at one point and possibly a movie. Uh, there's been a couple books written about 1776 and something happened back in that year. I'm not a big history buff. I don't know exactly what, but I know that that was a significant year in our nation's history. I don't know. I don't really care. You don't have to even tell me what it was, but something took place in 1776. And he was walking around that day chanting 1776. And so for that reason, the government went after him, sentenced him to prison 60 days in response to being on the Capitol grounds. He didn't enter the building. But he apparently violated a previous deferred prosecution agreement that forbade him from using the following loud, threatening or abusive language or to engage in any disorderly or disruptive conduct at any place upon the United States Capitol grounds. But they, they, the court documents show that Troyer had allegedly completed 30 of the 32 hours of community service required by the deferred prosecution agreement which was reached in January of 2020 after he shouted in a loud manner in a December 2019 House Judiciary Committee hearing. So that's some good news that uh, that happened there on, on the front for him. The other good news is that we're getting more clarity about just what a disastrous president Joe Biden is, a presidential candidate. I noticed yesterday there was an ad that played during the game. I, I don't know if you noticed that or not. And in the ad, it was mostly, I had the sound down, so I didn't hear the ad. I didn't need to. Sometimes I like to watch political ads with the sound down. I, I know it's a little bit creepy, but I, I, there's different ways that I process political ads. And sometimes I need the sound up. Sometimes I need it down. In this case, it just happened to be down anyway. So I walked into the room and I watched the ad without hearing anything. I didn't rush to grab the remote and turn the sound up. I just w- watched it. And what I noticed was it was very little of Joe Biden. And a lot of a woman talking, and I imagine she was going on about all the great things that Joe Biden's done for her, and, and the things were flashing on the screen, lowered health care costs, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then at the very end, they show a picture of the president sitting in the Oval Office, but his hand is mostly covering his mouth. And I noticed the irony of that, because obviously Joe Biden has a big mouth, and every time he opens it, he winds up sticking his gigantic foot into it. And so they try to get him to not talk. He's the only president I've ever heard of in my life where they actually will gag him. They'll actually play the music over the president of the United States when he's talking or answering a reporter's question. And there's the end of the ad, and Joe Biden's got his hand over his mouth like this, hand over his mouth. And I thought that is something right there. It's almost like a subtle message to people. We know the guy's got to shut up and we know the guy's just a puppet and he can't speak for himself anyway. And when he does talk, we have to mute him. We have to play music. We have to drown him out like he's giving a freaking Academy Award and going on way too long. We got to get the orchestra going. We have to do that. And you just sit there and you go, how is this man really running for president of the United States? But I mean, they have to pretend like he's running. Obviously, they have to pretend they have to act. I mean, they got to go through all the motions and the illusions. You know what I mean? You can't pretend for a second that there's even a, a glimmer that possibly Joe Biden won't run. But 
The House Republicans now have enough votes to get a formal Biden impeachment inquiry going. The question, of course, is should they? And I say they should, because whether or not they actually impeach him or not, this corruption has to be played out for the American people, whether the corporate media covers it or not, needs to be played out. And I'll tell you the reason why. Back in 2020, when you and I first heard about the Hunter Biden laptop, do you remember what you heard? You heard, like I heard, that it was Russian disinformation, right? The Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. They all scrambled, all of them. And it was not because of porn pictures, porn videos, or anything like that in his laptop. It was nothing like that. All the graphic sexual pictures and all the graphic sexual videos and all that stuff that was on there, while disgusting, could be explained away. You know, he was a druggie and he's turned his life around and, you know, you got to have empathy for him and blah, 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 blah. That's not why they did it. As disgusting as all that was, that's not why they did it. They did it because the laptop also revealed the truth of Joe Biden's corruption. And that's why they had to scramble in October of 2020 to to get everybody together and say it, it is all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation, because if that came out, then goodbye to the image of just Uncle Joe in his basement campaigning. You know, it's six people at, at events, socially distancing car events and whatnot. And, you know, just Uncle Joe just trying to heal America. The good old decent guy is going to come back and not be mean, even though Joe Biden's one of the snarkiest SOBs in the history of politics. I mean, there's so many stories of him telling people off. And there's that one day called the guy fat on a campaign trail to tra- challenge him to go out back and fight him. He's a nasty, he's a nasty guy. But despite how graphic all those videos and pictures were of Hunter Biden's junk and with prostitutes and doing cocaine with them and all the other stuff, it would not have hurt Joe Biden. It really would not have. I mean, it's not Hunter. It's the Joe Biden. So it's a separate person. And Joe could come around and say, listen, my son, like a lot of people got hooked on drugs and did a lot of bad things, but I love him and he's my son. And I'm going to make sure that if your children have addiction issues, that my administration is going to be there for you. And we're going to help you. And we're not going to turn our backs on these people. I know firsthand how destructive this can be for a family, how destructive this can be for everything. And as bad as all this is, as bad as all this is, Hunter got through it, turned his life around, reformed himself. But you can't, that's not why they did it. They did it because of the corruption. It was there on the laptop for everybody to see. It's all there now and it's coming out. And good news is more of it will come out if they actually do wind up doing a formal impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. So when we get back, I'll tell you how they have payments directly showing China to Hunter to Joe. And also what happened at that restaurant in Philadelphia and the security guard getting ejected from the Eagles game last night as a lot of people very upset. I'll share all that with you as the show continues today. It's great to have you here on a Monday, a gloomy, depressing Monday with the very sad, shocking revelations, shocking that Doug Burgum has suspended his campaign for president of the United States. We'll get through this together. We'll be right back. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Okay, yes. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you want to weigh in. So, the Hunter Biden laptop was just disgusting. I mean, the, the pictures, the videos, disgusting, all of it. But not what would have cost Joe Biden the election. And that's the thing, too. I mean, as you watch all those videos of him with his junk and hanging out and all the sex acts and everything else, you're nauseated. But 
I really wouldn't change much if you were thinking about voting for Joe Biden. It really wouldn't. I mean, if you were of that mindset, you'd be like, especially if they played it right. And Democrats are good about spinning that stuff, you know? They, they're good at, at spinning that stuff and saying that, you know, this is a guy in the throes of addiction and blah, blah, blah. But the financial corruption aspect of that is it, it, that would have destroyed Joe Biden at that, at that moment in time of 2020. And the reason why is because the whole image of him would have been shattered, completely shattered, and there's no rebuilding it. He was running as the nice old man. He was running as the guy in his basement. He was running as Uncle Joe. And, and the worst thing that he ever did was, you know, sometimes say, say goofy things to people. You know, goofy, oh, that's, that's just Uncle Joe and that's just the way he is. And they would do all those things. But to think that the president of the United States, that, that, that Joe Biden could be compromised by Russia and China and Ukraine and let, let's not forget Romania. I will not let them off the hook. They may be the lesser country when it comes to corruption, but they're still corrupt. To think that would have destroyed Joe Biden's candidacy. Now, this is from Brittany Bernstein at National Review. A corporation owned and controlled by Hunter Biden made several direct monthly payments to President Biden beginning in 2018, according to bank records released by the House Oversight Committee on Monday. The subpoenaed bank records obtained by National Review reveal that Owasco PC establish a monthly payment of $1,380 to President Biden beginning in September of 2018. The committee says the payments establish a direct benefit Biden received from his family's foreign business dealings, despite Biden's claim that he has never benefited from or been involved in his son's ventures. Matt, do me a favor. Can you pull up the clip from the debate of 2020 between Trump and Biden when Trump brings this up and Joe Biden says he's never spoken to his son about his business? Remember that from the debate? Thank you. Quote, this wasn't a payment from Hunter Biden's personal account, but an account for his corporation that received payments from China and other shady corners of the world, said House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer. At this moment, Hunter Biden is under an investigation by the Department of Justice for using Owasco PC for tax evasion and other serious crimes. But remember, all that was also going to disappear as well. I mean, much like how the national security forces, the deep state, the police state of the United States of America and the unholy triad of the corporate media and big tech and the government all worked together to try to hide what was really on the Hunter Biden laptop to make you think it was just, you know, pictures and videos. Despite all that, all this is coming out. And so what they did was they put all of the tax crimes of Hunter Biden into this gun charge, this, this gun diversion agreement. You remember, that's the one that blew up in court over the summer when the judge asked the right questions and then Hunter being an idiot. And having idiot lawyers, the deal blew up. And in the consequence of doing that, the deal blowing up, then things can come out. They had, the, the government of the United States had done and this. Is why I tell you it was not a sweetheart deal. Don't call it a sweetheart deal. It was never a sweetheart deal. The reason why I said that then and the reason why I say that now is because that deal was a cover up for the financial crimes of the president of the United States of America. By putting all the, the Hunter Biden's tax crimes into the gun charge, the, there was nothing they could do. It was over. It went away. And the judge had no ability to even reject the plea agreement. So she had to use a Jedi mind trick to basically get Hunter to throw it out. Now, as all this comes out and you think about what Joe Biden is, is being, I mean, what the charges are, the allegations here, a pattern revealing that Joe Biden knew about participated in and benefited from his family's influence peddling schemes. 
as the Bidens received millions from foreign nationals and companies in China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, and Kazakhstan. Always forget about them, too. Romania and Kazakhstan are really the lesser. I mean, let's be honest, right? But, you know, I mean, corruption's corruption. So, you know, Joe Biden dined with his family's foreign associates, spoke to them by speakerphone, had coffee, attended meetings, and ultimately received payments that were funded by his family's business dealings. And it was unclear, based on the bank records, how many monthly payments were made. But a source familiar with the committee's probe said investigators had discovered at least three payments. At least three. Just last week, the committee released an email from a bank money laundering investigator who expressed serious concerns about a transfer of funds from China that ultimately trickled down to President Biden in the form of a $40,000 check from his brother, James Biden. Now, obviously, you know, obviously the money is going to trickle down because that's trickle down economics. You know, that's that's really what it is. It's trickle down economics for you right there. Matt, do you have that clip by chance of the debate? I'm still looking for it. All right, no problem. In the meantime, let's play. This is what Chairman James Comer said. Let's see here. Owasco PC. This is him. He posted this video on social media today. As a matter of fact, this is hot off the presses for you. Cut number six. President Joe Biden claimed there was an absolute wall between his official government duties and his family's influence peddling schemes. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed his family didn't receive money from China. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed he never spoke to his son, Hunter Biden, about the Biden's family's shady business dealings. This was a lie. Now, Hunter Biden's legal team and the White House's media allies claim Hunter's corporate entities never made payments directly to Joe Biden. We can officially add this latest talking point to the list of lies. Today, the House Oversight Committee is releasing subpoenaed bank records that show Hunter Biden's business entity, Owasco PC, made direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. This wasn't a payment from Hunter Biden's personal account, but an account for his corporation that received payments from China and other shady corners of the world. At this moment, Hunter Biden is under an investigation by the Department of Justice for using Owasco PC for tax evasion and other serious crimes. And based on whistleblower testimony, we know the Justice Department made a concerted effort to prevent investigators from asking questions about Joe Biden. I wonder why. The more we learn, it appears the Justice Department was trying to cover up for the Bidens until brave IRS whistleblowers came forward and a federal judge rejected the sweetheart plea deal. Payments from Hunter's business entity to Joe Biden are now part of a pattern revealing Joe Biden knew about participated in, and benefited from his family's influence peddling schemes. When Joe Biden was vice president, he spoke by phone, attended dinners, and had coffee with his son's foreign business associates. He allowed his son to catch a ride on Air Force Two at least a dozen times to sell the Biden brand around the world. Hunter Biden requested office keys to be made for his office mate, Joe Biden, in space, he planned to share with a Chinese energy company. We've revealed how Joe Biden received checks from his family that were funded by the Biden's influence peddling schemes with China, no less. The House Oversight Committee continues to investigate Joe Biden's involvement in his family's domestic and international business schemes at a rapid pace. We will continue to uncover the facts and provide transparency about the findings of our investigation. President Biden and his family must be held accountable for this blatant corruption 
the American people expect no less. Well said. The American people expect no less. And so that's where things go from here. They they will now move over to a formal Biden impeachment inquiry. And good. I, I mean, get get all this out there. Get all of this out there. Let it be heard. Let it all be aired. Whether or not the corporate media covers it or not, it's not not the point. Point is, you have a right to know. I have a right to know. Everybody has a right to know who this guy really is who this president really is, what we should have known in October of 2020, what we should have found out then. Cut number seven. And what we see here, Maria, is this fits a pattern that we've been talking about on your show for, for months, where the Bidens were taking in, you know, millions of dollars from our enemies around the world, and they were calling them loans, because when you say a loan, you don't have to report that on your taxes. You don't have to notify the IRS. So this was a way the Bidens were trying to sneak money in, and at the end of the day, they weren't paying any taxes on it. But the bank examiner realized that this was a bad deal. Not only is this money laundering, and not only is this tax evasion, but this is how China comes in and, and buys politicians off. They give huge sums of money to vulnerable family members of high-ranking politicians. And they mentioned in the email, Hunter Biden was susceptible because he was on drugs. He was in financial trouble. And they knew this because his ex-wife had said that in an interview. Yeah, and, and they're talking about politically exposed person. PEP, mm-hmm. uh, which is Hunter Biden. Uh, I, I don't understand why you have had to take so long to actually get a vote to impeach or get this impeachment inquiry going. Do you feel that you have the votes within the House right now to we, get a formal impeachment inquiry? I do. And uh, I had a reporter ask, well, what's changed? You know, because the press has been writing, we didn't have the votes forever. And I said, well, I'll tell you one thing that changed. We were in Washington, D.C. for 10 weeks, and there are about 15 or 20 moderates that, that they really worry about what CNN says or what the Washington Post writes. And and they were getting in their head, Maria. But they, a great thing happened during Thanksgiving. The members went home, many of them for the first time and circulated for the first time in over 10 weeks. And they met people in Walmart and people on Main Street. And they're like, what in the world have the Bidens done to receive millions and millions of dollars from our enemies around the world? And did they not pay taxes on it? So they heard from their constituents. Yes, we want you to move forward. We want to know the truth. And we expect the Bidens to be held accountable. You know, when there's a um, the thing about people is too, they can kind of deal with corrupt politicians as long as they're doing OK. Yeah, I mean, like everybody looks the other way when there's corruption. But, you know, times are good. Right. You're high on the hog. You're feeling good. Life's good. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's corrupt, but I'm good. I'm, I'm OK. But when you're hurting financially, when you need an extra eleven thousand four hundred dollars a month just to break, just to be where you were in January of twenty twenty one. That's when it's not cool anymore. When it's like I'm hurting. My family has had to make cutbacks and this greedy SOB using his office to get rich. That's when people say, oh, hell no. Hell no. This is when Trump confronted Biden in that debate in 2020. Take a listen. China ate your lunch, Joe. And no wonder your son goes in and he takes out what he takes out billions of dollars, takes out billions of dollars to manage. He makes millions of dollars. And also, while we're at it. Why is it, just out of curiosity, 
The mayor of Moscow's wife gave your son three and a half million dollars. What did he true. do to deserve it? That what did he do with Barista to deserve one hundred eighty-three thousand dollars? None of that is true. Not an answer. Not none of that is true. Oh, really? He totally didn't get three and a half million. Mr. President, it's Mr. Totally, Mr. President, please. Totally discredited. Totally discredited. And by the way, well, wait. He didn't get three and a half million dollars, Joe. Mr. Vice he got three Mr. And a half President, dollars. it is not true. Oh, really? Mr. Oh. President, but, Mr. You, it's, an, it's an open discussion, please. Now, you, you, it's a fact. Well, there's, you have not raised an issue. Let the been totally Vice President answer. Discredited. Did Barista was a pay him $183,000 a month with no experience in energy? Mr. Look, President, no my son did nothing wrong at Barista. I think he did. Mr. President, guy that let him answer. Yeah, I mean, see, that was Chris Wallace. You know, come on, Mr. President, let him answer. Uh, Joe Biden, I mean, that's what I mean. That would have destroyed his presidency because it would have shattered the Uncle Joe image. All right, now, Christmas is coming. It's here. The holidays are here. You got to start thinking about what are you going to get for that special woman in your life, your wife, your girlfriend, whoever. Uh, do what I did. I did this last year, and it was a big hit, and it's going to be a big hit for you as well. It's Pajamagram. It's the naturally nude pajamas. Yes, these are beautiful. These are soft. These are luxurious and they are so good and so beautiful. They sell out every year. Naturally nude pajamas are known for the ultimate in comfort and style. Soft, silky, totally luxurious, better than lingerie with a curve caressing fit. And here's the best part. When you order naturally nude pajamas today, you're going to get a free naturally nude nightie. That's a $75 savings on a deluxe two-in-one complete gift. And that's not all. With Pajamagram, you can even add gift packaging. Now, if you ask me, that's one easy holiday gift that is sure to make her happy. But you have to hurry before it's gone. So go to Pajamagram today for naturally nude pajamas. These are beautiful. My wife loves them, and she loves the comfort, and she loves the luxury, the feeling of them. It's like wearing next to nothing at all. And you're going to love them, too. That's the other key point is this is a gift that makes everybody happy. She'll be happy, and you'll be happy too. It's high-quality stuff, super comfortable, and will look beautiful on her as well. So tell them I sent you. Go to Naturally Nude Pajamas, pajamagram.com. Remember, if you order now, you're going to get that free nighty. That's a $75 savings. It's a two-in-one complete gift, and they'll even add the gift packaging. They'll ship it right out to you, get it out the door. You don't have to worry about any delays. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to do any of that stuff, and she'll be happy. Do it today before it sells out. They sell out every single year, and they will sell out again this year. Pajamagram.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Now, of course, if all this happens and the impeachment is aired out for everybody to see on national television, even though it won't be covered by the corporate media, uh, the real question is what goes on behind the scenes in the Democrat Party. That's the real question here. So here's a clip, and I know you heard Dom play it as well. Uh, the unbiased journalist, George Stephanopoulos, who is a completely unbiased journalist. He is the ABC chief political guy at ABC News, which, of course, ABC, the parent company is China. So the actual name is well, Disney, so China, then Disney, then ABC News. So it's ABC Disney China is the official corporate name. And a- ABC News has the unbiased journalist, George Stephanopoulos, no relation to the guy that helped Bill Clinton navigate the world of it depends on what your definition of is is and whether or not a certain sexual act 
counted as sex or not. Yeah, that George Stephanopoulos, the guy who was able to figure out whether or not <clears throat> certain oral office and activities uh, counted for the legal definition of a sexual act or not. That guy, that George Stephanopoulos is now the chief ABC news guy. Uh, he's not, though. I'm sorry. I, I had that mistaken. Uh, he's not. A different guy. Different, different, totally different guy. Completely different guy. That George Stephanopoulos was was stomped to death by a Yeti in the uh, North Atlantic. Yes, a Yeti. A Yeti. It was a Christmas Yeti. That George Stephanopoulos stomped to death by a Yeti. It was a terrible, terrible thing. Have you ever seen a Yeti stomp someone to death, by the way? Have you ever encountered that? It's brutal. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Horrible. Poor George. First of all, you think they're mythical, and next thing you know, they're stomping you to death. And the Eddie goes right for your head, right for your head. And so this is a different George Stephanopoulos, no relation to that George Stephanopoulos. This guy is only 23 years old, actually. As a matter of fact, he's very young. His voice sounds a little older, but he's very young. He was born around the year. In fact, they named him George Stephanopoulos after the late George Stephanopoulos, who was killed by, mauled to death by, ironically enough, cocaine bear. A, a bear high in cocaine mauled him to death. He was out hiking. He was seeking reflection. And then, you know, so... Damn shame. Uh, So this unbiased journalist, no relation to the man who ran Bill Clinton's world and helped define for the world the definition of is, is that George Stephanopoulos on with the former RNC chairman, Reince Priebus. Take a listen. One gift that Donald Trump seems to have given the Biden team, Reince Priebus, is this call to repeal Obamacare. Well, I mean, we we talked about that in 2016. He he, he won in 2016. You know, I, I, I just don't buy this. Democracy on the ballot and all of it, all of this nonsense about Trump. When the Democrats are sitting there with a candidate that nonsense hasn't been about Trump, what's the nonsense? Well, no, I mean about how democracy is on the ballot. If democracy was on the ballot, the Democrats wouldn't be sitting there with a candidate that has the worst numbers since they've been taking polling. And and worse yet, people will say, well, this has happened before. Barack Obama had bad polling. Trump had bad polling. But Democrats loved Obama by 90, 95 percent. Same with Trump. He is in the tank with Democrats. Now, how they can claim on one hand democracy is on the ballot and sit there with an historically weak candidate uh, is unbelievable. And I don't buy it. Yeah, I agree. I don't buy it either. But that's the only argument they have is democracy is on the ballot, because if they actually discussed issues, they lose. They get clobbered. You can't talk about issues, so you just have to keep screaming about democracy. But again, most people don't give a damn what happened on January 6, 2021. What they care about is the fact that they were doing better in January of 2021. Financially speaking, that's what they care about. They don't, they don't really care if a bunch of people were at the Capitol that day. They don't care. It doesn't affect their life. It just simply doesn't affect their life. Now, Biden did not grow up in Scranton, PA, depending on which lie he's telling at the time. It's either Scranton or it's Claymont, Delaware, whatever it is. But he lived in Scranton until he was, I don't know, six, maybe six, six years old. But he always, you know, I'm Scranton. And if you drive up there, there's a highway name for him. You know, the president, Joe Biden Highway. He still considers it his hometown, even though if you've driven through Scranton, you've spent more time in Scranton than Joe Biden ever has. But regardless, they went up there. They went to Scranton. Fox News did. They asked people there to weigh in on his presidency. It's not good. The reviews are in and it's not good. The critics and the audience for once all agree on this. Nobody likes this movie. Everybody wants it to end. Cut to. My opinion is he, I don't know, he praises here, but I don't, I don't think he actually like grew up like here technically. So he uses that as like 
that he cares about us. Tougher for people, you know? So how could he be seeing it through our eyes? I'm a registered Democrat, but I'm not happy. I think he's the worst president we ever had, to be honest with you. But, no, I'm not, I'm, this, this economy sucks. I mean, everything's going up, except, you know, paychecks, you know. I just think the economy sucks. Yeah, it does suck, and he's exactly right. And that's what matters to people. That's what actually matters. And these are obviously not MAGA people. These are just people people. So if, that's, if you know that that's the situation, if you know that that's what everybody is saying, and that's what everybody thinks about, and all you can do is try to deflect away from the economy. It's all you can do. You just try to deflect and go, well, I mean, <laughs> listen, democracy's on the ballot. Come on, democracy. It's an existential crisis. Liz Cheney, former Congresswoman Liz Cheney, whose new book comes out. And I'll tell you what Donald Trump says about her new book in the next hour. But again, here we go. Same thing again. This is now a situation where we have an existential crisis. The democracy is gone, destroyed forever, blah, 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 blah. Cut four. What happens if Mike Johnson's the speaker on the 6th of January, 2025? He can't be. You know, we're facing a situation with respect to the 2024 election uh, where it's an existential crisis uh, and we have to ensure that we don't have a situation where an election that might be thrown into the House of Representatives um, is overseen by a Republican majority. So you would prefer a Democratic majority? I, uh, I believe very strongly in those principles and ideals that have defined the Republican Party. But the Republican Party of today has made a choice and they haven't chosen the Constitution. And so I do think <laughs> it's, uh, it presents a threat if the Republicans are in the majority in January 2025. It's a threat Cheney hopes she can be clear enough about to break through the political numbness. You say Donald Trump, if he is reelected, it will be the end of the republic. What do you mean? He's told us what he will do. People who say, well, if he's elected, it's not that dangerous because we have all of these checks and balances, don't fully understand the extent to which the Republicans in Congress today um, have been co-opted. One of the things that we see happening today is a sort of a, a sleepwalking into uh, dictatorship. There we go. The Thank States. you very much. You see, it's a dictatorship in the United States of America. When you can't talk about the economy, and Liz Cheney's a vile person, and the fact that you would want to have Democrats in charge. Well, I mean, look, let's face it. Liz Cheney is probably the biggest war hawk. She's, she's Dick Cheney's daughter. And Joe Biden is giving him Ukraine. So she's happy about that. Why? She doesn't want that to change, obviously. But what she's doing is the classic thing that they all do. You can't talk about the issues. So you keep screaming about this authoritarian future. This notion that Trump doesn't leave office, the guy is like 78 years old. What what do you think? He's going to just n- n- never leave the Oval Office? I mean, like like he'll die there, they'll bring his, his bones out of the office. I mean, it's such an absurd thing. But is it that different from what they were saying in 2016 about him? He was Hitler. He was going to take over the world. World War Three, nuclear war, Armageddon. I still remember those Hillary Clinton spots like it was yesterday. When she had the guys in the missile silos talking about how Donald Trump cannot be trusted with the nuclear codes because he's just going to get angry one day and just, you know, fire off a tweet and then just hit the nuke button. We used to have a joke in the afternoon show back then, my first iteration in afternoons, where Trump would go, excuse me, excuse me. And then we would play a sounder of the world blowing up. 
It was just going to blow up the world. He would just get angry one day and a tweet he didn't like or something and then just launch nuclear missiles. And we went through this already. We did all this already. We did the whole dictator thing. And if he wasn't going to leave office, it, the other thing, too, that I can't, these people don't quite understand is that he was president and he left office. Like, I, I watched him leave. I watched him walk out of the White House and get on Air Force One or get on Marine One and then get to Air Force One and fly to Florida. And I watched it happen and you watched it happen. And the guy left. So. If he was going to stay, if he was going to abuse the Constitution and, and literally have to have a constitutional crisis where the military comes in and drags him out, why didn't he do it then? I mean, because what changes in the future? Nothing. The election still happens and, and, and he won't be on the ballot. He'll be at that point, I believe, term limited because it'll be the end of his second term. And I think the Constitution is pretty clear. He can only do two terms. I don't think the consecutive aspect of that changes anything. And so I think he'll be done and there'll be two other people running and then th- it's going to be the same situation. I mean, one of those people is going to win and that person then will have the ability to be the commander in chief and they'll escort him out of the building. But it didn't come to that because he didn't try to stay. He left. But you see, when you can't talk about the economy, you have to just keep going back to the fear mongering. It's not going to work. It didn't work in 2016 and certainly not going to work in 2020. On Twitter at Rich Zioli. Big four o'clock hour coming up. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHD. And on the free Odyssey app. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will. Broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. So the chief security guard was kicked out of the Eagles game last night, and people are not happy about it. A restaurant in Philadelphia blasted by pro Hamas protesters. I'll share that with you as well. And even John Fetterperson. Wants to expel Bob Menendez from the Senate after George Santos was kicked out of the House. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. On Friday, I did uh, Jimmy Fallon's show, Fox Across America. Then I did my own show. And it was the day that George Santos was kicked out of Congress. I didn't talk much about it on this show. I talked about it on Jimmy's show. And I interviewed two different Congress people. One who was pro getting rid of santos and the other one who was not and the reason why she gave it was debbie lesko from arizona and she's fantastic is she said look i mean he's not been charged with a crime he didn't get convicted of anything there's been no i mean it may have been charged but he was not convicted of anything he is he for all accounts this seems to be hypocritical i mean jamal bowman pulled the fire alarm and disrupted congress and there's no effort to expel him the guy was literally trying to stop an official congressional proceeding exactly what they've charged Donald Trump with. And there was nothing. I mean, nothing happened to Jamal Bowman. Nothing. Got a little slap on the wrist from the D.C. Metro Police, had to pay a fine, and that's the end of it. Donald Trump is facing federal prison charges, federal charges for disrupting an official proceeding. There are people in federal prison right now charged with disrupting an official proceeding of Congress. This clown does it, pulls the fire alarm, lies about it, says he made a mistake, and the video clearly shows him taking down the emergency exit signs off the doors pulling the fire alarm, and just moments before, they were all panicking to try to stop the vote. And that's why what he did. 
He's still in Congress today. Bob Menendez. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Thank you for reminding me, Matt DeSantis. Yes. Jamal Bowman did have to write an apology letter. Do we have a copy of that apology letter, by the way? I think what he had to do was, and I could be wrong about this, but I believe he had to write on the on the chalkboard, I will not pull the fire alarm to disrupt an official congressional proceeding uh, a thousand times, like Bart Simpson. It, it's possible. I, I may have that wrong. I promise to never pull the fire alarm to disrupt an official congressional proceeding. I promise to never pull the fire alarm to disrupt the, just over and over on the chalkboard the congressional chalkboard and wear a dunce cap. What does he write the apology letter to exactly? Dear Mr. Speaker, I'm so sorry I pulled the fire alarm to disrupt an official congressional proceeding. Lucky for me, I'm a Democrat, so I'm not charged with a federal crime. Booyah! (laughs) Sincerely, Representative Jamal Bowman. P.S. You guys are a bunch of suckers in your party. Uh, I I mean, that's... And then you have Bob Menendez. Senator Bob Menendez, who, if there's anybody who should be expelled from at least the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, it's Bob Menendez. I mean, I'm not a big fan of expelling people for things if they haven't been found guilty of something. I I think it sets a dangerous precedent. So I understand why Tom Massey voted no on ejecting George Santos. He's not been convicted of something. We have to have due process in this country or else we are not a republic. We are a banana republic and nobody wants that. So you got to have due process. And unless somebody is actually found guilty of something, they, they're just charges. I mean, that's all it is. See, Jamal Bowman admitted he did it. That's why Jamal Bowman's paying a fine and writing his apology letter. So you could expel him. He did it. He's guilty. He's acknowledged that. He's entered this um, deferment agreement with the District of Columbia. But that's more than ample grounds to kick his ass out and say, all right, listen, we don't tolerate people pulling fire alarms around here to disrupt official congressional proceedings. Apology letter notwithstanding, you're gone. It's okay. You can do that. I am actually not a fan of expelling Bob Menendez from the United States Senate because Bob Menendez has not been found guilty. I know the guy's guilty. Guy's guilty as hell. But that's not the point. He hasn't been found guilty yet. But I do believe he should be kicked off the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Given the preponderance of the charges that he sold out the United States of America and gave aid and comfort to Egypt... Those charges are so serious that the man should not be on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. For the time being, at least, until if if he is vindicated in court and a non-guilty verdict comes back, well, then you could put him back on the committee. But nobody has a right to be on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The people of New Jersey mistakenly voted for this bum to be their senator. Certainly not this guy. Not me. I didn't vote for him. But. He's there and he's been charged. He hasn't been found guilty yet. But what has George Santos been found guilty of? Nothing. So why why the double standard? AC Menendez, it's easy. You can say you can still be a senator, but you can't be on the Foreign Relations Committee because you have access to all of these classified briefings and classified documents. And you are charged with and we all know you did it, but you're charged with selling out the United States of America, your country to benefit Egypt. And we just can't risk that right now. we got a lot of things going on in the Middle East, you might have heard, and we can't risk it, so you're off the committee. That's a no-brainer. I mean, that is a no-brainer. And you turn around to the guy and you say, if, if, if you know you found not guilty, you can come back on the committee. You can be the chairman again. But until that time, you're off. But Chuck Schumer won't do that. He's a coward. But even John Fetterperson went on The View and was asked about George Santos' expulsion 
And I mean, I got to give Fetter person props here for saying that Bob Menendez should go. I mean, good, good for him for saying this. I, it's painful to listen to because A, it's the view and B, it's Fetter person. But cut 11. And uh, you've also been calling for to get rid of uh, Menendez, I know. Um, but first, before we talk about that, what's your reaction to the exp- expulsion? Well, it's like uh, I'm not surprised, but but to me, I think the the more important picture is is that we have a colleague in, in the Senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things. Uh, Senator Menendez, uh, he needs to go. Um, and if you are going to expel Santos, how can you allow to somebody like Menendez to remain in the Senate? And you know, Santos's kind of lies were almost you know funny and like you know he you know landed on the the moon and a guy kind of stuff uh whereas <laughs> whereas you know i you know i think you know menendez i think is really a senator for egypt you know not new jersey uh so i i i, I really think he needs to go and uh especially it's kind of strange that if santos uh, is not allowed to remain in the house you know someone like that yeah. are you though uncomfortable with the fact that there hasn't been an adjudication that while he's been charged there hasn't been a conviction menendez with menendez uh, I, I, I am. I, I am. And it's like he has the right uh, to, for his, his day in court and all that. But he doesn't have the right to, to have those kind of votes and things that uh, yeah. th- that's not that's not a right. And, and I think uh, we need to make that kind of decision to uh, send him out. Yeah, well, he's not he's not wrong in terms of getting off getting him off the committee. And. I say, and it's not easy for me to say, but good for John Fetterperson. Good for him for acknowledging what we all know, which is that this is a huge, huge double standard. And it's dangerous, too. I mean, George Santos, for being an idiot and a liar and all the other things, there are a lot of idiots and liars in Congress. What Bob Menendez did is dangerous to the national security of the United States of America, helping Egypt, a country that to argue as our ally is a bit of a stretch. They are a convenient ally in the sense that they're there to help us if we need them, but we don't trust Egypt. We, we know that Egypt is does things all the time to undermine the United States of America, undermine Israel. We know that. And this guy, in order to get himself rich, richer with gold bars and cash and cars and everything else was able to use his position to get his buddy the exclusive halal meat certification contract for the entire nation of Egypt. And in response to that, he got rich. But the way he was able to do it, based on the charges, is that as the chairman of the committee, he controls the purse strings. So if there was aid going to Egypt, Menendez had the ability to pull it. And there were all kinds of people in the Senate and who said, look, you know, Egypt's got a horrible human rights record. We cannot allow this money to go to them unless they clean it up. And Menendez just ignored all that. And in return, Egypt made his friend, the halal certification guy, the guy had no experience certifying halal food. And in response, Bob Menendez got cars and gold bars and and money. That's a real problem. That's a real problem. Forget, I mean, George Santos, for all of his lies and exaggerations and everything else, there was not an accusation of him actually selling out the country. And that's the accusation against Bob Menendez. And again, if you want to be consistent in this, and I always try to be consistent in life, then you don't remove somebody from their elected office unless they're charged with, found guilty of a crime. But the no-brainer here with Menendez is you just don't allow him to be on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. They're not doing that. 
Bob Menendez is there. Bob Menendez is there and he's getting the briefings and he has access to all the information. All of it. And this is why people get very, very concerned about the double standard. And quite frankly, they get very angry about the double standard. They really do. Now, Marsha Blackburn, who's a United States senator, she says that um, they were going to get a lot of things on Jeffrey Epstein. This is another little scam that's going on right now. And Senator Blackburn says the Democrat led Senate committee chair blocked the Epstein flight logs subpoena. So they were going to get all the information about who was on that flight, who were who were many flights, Jeffrey Epstein's flights to Lolita Island, as it was called, the Lolita Express, where they had underage girls and all kinds of ways to entertain very powerful, powerful people. So there was a subpoena request filed in Congress to grant lawmakers access to the flight logs connected to Jeffrey Epstein, who did not kill himself. Just all understand that. And it was blocked by little Dickie Durbin. Durbin, who leads the Senate Judiciary Committee, reportedly rejected the request brought forward by the Tennessee Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn in early November. She accused Durbin of standing in the way of certifying the request after a contentious committee meeting on Thursday. And she tweeted out, Senator Durbin blocked, all caps, blocked my request to subpoena Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs. What are Democrats trying to hide? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy's dead from not killing himself. So what are you worried about? He's dead. He didn't kill himself, but he's still dead. So what are you worried about? Ah, but you're covering for people. Who are you covering for? Hmm? During a committee hearing last month surrounding Durbin's attempt to investigate a Supreme Court ethics issue, Blackburn filed the request in the upper chamber of Congress. Amid a fiery exchange between the two lawmakers, Blackburn announced a series of subpoena requests, including one against Jeffrey Epstein's entire estate to identify everyone listed on the flight records that have been said to include several high-profile figures worldwide. An aide for the Democrat Senate Judiciary Committee told Fox News Digital in a statement that Durbin would have stayed in the panel on Thursday to allow Republicans to offer and debate the 177 filed amendments, noting that the committee would vote on authorizing the subpoena after. But Republican lawmakers on the committee allegedly began to filibuster during the hearing and didn't allow Blackburn to offer the First Amendment to the authorization. But she said the hearing was a sad day in the history of the prestigious Judiciary Committee, and it further underscores the left's two-tier system of justice that happens. She said, they don't want to have a conversation about the estate of Jeffrey Epstein to find out the names of every person who participated in Jeffrey Epstein's human trafficking ring. A vast network of underage girls for sex. Vast network. And people knew about it for years. I mean, it was all out in the open. Everybody knew. Epstein had owned at least three jets, including a Gulfstream 2 sold in November 2013, a Gulfstream 4 sold before his arrest, and a Boeing 727 nicknamed the Lolita Express, which allegedly transported prominent individuals and girls all around the world. The so-called Lolita Express private jet has been the subject of controversy amid the accusations brought against Epstein and, in particular, the flight records connected to the plane that supposedly include the names of those who traveled with him. Victims of Epstein and at least one of his pilots have since come out and claimed that public figures, including Bill Gates, Prince Andrew, and Donald Trump, had traveled with the disgraced financier. But there's never been proof that Trump actually traveled with him. Trump was with, he was there at Florida, various events, but no actual evidence that he actually went to the island. And believe me, if there was, they would have found that. They would have made that a thing. You know that and I know that. 
In December 2021, prosecutors reportedly released thousands of flight records in the sex trafficking trial of his alleged accomplice, Ghislaine Maxwell, who's also pleaded not guilty, but was ultimately convicted. Manifestos unsealed in a defamation case against Maxwell show that some names listed included former President Bill Clinton, supermodel Naomi Campbell, and the astronaut John Glenn. One small step for a lot of things. Now, the fourth, now this is now, um, George Santos is alleging that Rob Menendez, so Rob Menendez is Bob Menendez's son. Bob Menendez also has a daughter. Her name is Alicia Menendez. She's on MSNBC. She reports on all kinds of things. She is a very, very proud progressive. And Alicia Menendez was walking with her father into the courtroom the day that he was indicted, arraigned. And this is what George Santos is alleging right now on social media. He's alleging the following about Bob Menendez's son, Rob. Monday's fourth ethics report will be filed on Congressman Menendez, not to be confused with his father, the senator. While Congressman Menendez has not been involved by the, uh, not been invoked by the diligent investigation of the DOJ into his father, there remains a question of what did he know and when did he know it? The complaint is to seek clarification from the freshman congressman and his involvement with his father's overseas dealings over the years and any potential compensation he received. I think it's a fair point, he says, to make sure we weed out the doubt surrounding Representative Menendez and his business associations with his father. I will leave it to the Office of Congressional Ethics to investigate the material that I'll be submitting to them. Well, good for him. But again, if there are serious, credible allegations around Bob Menendez, Rob Menendez, I mean, the son, it doesn't matter. He's a Democrat. Nothing bad happens to Democrats. This is the two-tier standard of justice that I tell you about all the time. This is the two-tier standard of justice, and nothing bad happens to them. So when you think about America and you look at it and you say, what happened to equal justice under the law? There is no equal justice under the law. I'll give you another example. Two rioters in Atlanta who are responsible for burning down the Wendy's during the Black Lives Matter riots have pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit arson and two counts of first-degree arson. Chisholm Kingston and Natalie White will have to pay, ready, a $500 fine, 150 hours of community service, and five years of probation. Now, this is Fulton County, Georgia. All right? Fulton County, Georgia is where Donald Trump is facing 13 felony counts with a maximum of 76.5 years in prison. And these two people pled guilty for burning down the Wendy's in Atlanta, guilty to conspiracy to commit arson, guilty to two counts of first-degree arson. And they will pay a $500 fine, 150 hours of community service, and then be good, probation for five years. Fulton County, same county, where Donald Trump faces 13 felony counts for disputing Georgia's election results, not burning anything down, not committing any arson, not committing any violence whatsoever, just not believing Georgia's election to be factual, not asking the governor to make up ballots, not asking the governor to print illegal ballots, nothing like that. And he's facing 76.5 years in prison. All right. So when I tell you there's a two-tier system of justice in this country, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Look, for years I've been telling you about the great... Oh, uh, by the way, programming note. Um, 
Friday, December 15th, we're getting really, really close here, is our next live broadcast at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. I want to see you there. The Grand Hotel is my happy place, and I would love for you to join us for the live show. It's 3 to 7 p.m. It's up on the fifth floor ballroom of the beautiful Grand Hotel overlooking the ocean, and we'll have a great time. The show is free. You don't need to make a reservation to come see the show. You can just show up. You can stay as long as you like. You can grab dinner after. You can grab drinks during the show. The bar will be open. We'll have a lot of fun. Friday, December 15th. So a week from this Friday, mark your calendar. And we'll, it'll be a little Christmassy too, because Christmas is a great time to be in Cape May. And you're going to love the, the, the decorations at the Grand. They go all out. You'll love it. All right. So I want to see you there Friday, December 15th at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey for our next live show. For years, I've been telling you about the great work that my friends Stephanie and Matt and the entire team at Emmons have done for me at my home. And now Emmons can bring that same quality of work to all of your kitchen and bathroom remodeling needs. See, Emmons Roofing has really become an all-in-one stop for all of your roofing, siding, windows, solar, and now baths and kitchens. And we used Emmons in our last house for a complete kitchen remodel and a bathroom remodel. They did a fantastic job. Job was done on time, on budget, looked great. My wife was thrilled, and that's what matters. So I'm telling you right now, I've used Emmons for every project you can think of, and every time I've been happy. So what are you waiting for? If you have a shore house too, make sure you get that roof inspected because winter is brutal on shore homes. You know, the damage that winter does on a roof, and then by the time you know, the warm weather comes, those two forces meet and it's not good. Winter leaks can lead to big costly repairs when the warm weather returns. So make sure that you reach out to Emmons today for a free inspection. Let's go to EmmonsRoofing.com, get a free estimate online at EmmonsRoofing.com or visit the Emmons Design Showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Trust the company that I trust. They serve Pennsylvania, Delaware, Jersey, and the Jersey Shore. And make sure that you tell them I sent you Choose the company that I trust with my home, EmmonsRoofing.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Let's see some tweets we got going on today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in. Ed Farmer says, Menendez turned on Obama over immigration. Tammy Murphy is primarying him next year. New Jersey hasn't elected a Republican to the Senate since 1972. Fetterman isn't turning on Menendez. This is the party line and a favor to Phil Murphy. Um, Yeah, true, but it doesn't change the fact that he's right that Menendez should not be on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. No doubt about it. But two things can be true at the same time, right? If, If tomorrow Bob Menendez leaves the Senate, If he gets kicked out of the Senate, if he drops dead, whatever, the governor is going to appoint somebody. Appointing his wife is a huge political liability for him. I actually disagree with the analysis that Phil Murphy wants. I mean, he's an egotistical narcissist. He'll do whatever the hell he wants. But I I don't know if he really wants to be in that position, appointing his wife to the Senate seat. With knowing that his gigantic ego is looking at the White House. I've already told you Tammy Murphy will be the nominee. There's no, there's no question in my mind about that. But I think they'd rather wait till November and just do it that way. And then he can turn around and say, hey, look, she got elected all on her own. I don't, I don't buy this kind of conspiracy theory that they want to get Menendez out to help Tammy Murphy. Tammy Murphy will be the Senate nominee, period. It's already happening. The, county, the Democrat county chairs in New Jersey are already backing her. All of the powerful Democrats, 
Mikey Sherrill, all the they're all backing her. Everybody's backing her. She's going to be the nominee. Bob Menendez will not be the nominee. And whoever gets the party line is going to be the nom is going to win. But I don't think politically speaking, Phil Murphy wants to appoint his wife to the U.S. Senate. People don't like that stuff. And remember, he can't run again for governor of New Jersey. So it's not like, yeah, the king can do it. And he is unaccountable, but he wants to run for president someday. And I don't think he would want that to be a political issue. Like, dude, you appointed your wife to the Senate seat. I don't think he wants that because the guy thinks his ego is that big. And so is the rug stapled to his head that he can actually get there. His wife will be the next senator. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Tammy Murphy will be the next United States senator. But what's the rush? What's the rush? She's already got the support of all the county chairs. If you don't know how New Jersey politics works, and I've been very intimately involved in New Jersey politics for a long time, the county line, as it's called, you go into the voting booth and there are columns, whatever that column is, the party line is, the Democrat party line. If you're not on it, you're not winning. Period. There's not even a debate about this. This isn't even a question. This is not even a exercise in anything we can even entertain. If you don't have the party line, particularly as a Democrat, Republicans are a little different. And I can get into detail with that another time. But with the Democrat Party in New Jersey, the way it's structured in counties like Hudson County and um, Bergen County, Camden County, Union County, in these counties, if you don't have the party line, you are not winning, period. And they can do it in a way where your name to even find you on the ballot is a process that nobody's going to go through. So Tammy Murphy will be the nominee and Tammy Murphy will most likely be the next United States senator. Now, I'm not going to just completely write off the chances of the Republican, but speaking from just history, she's got a very strong likelihood to get there. If she if tomorrow Bob Menendez leaves the Senate, and Phil Murphy appoints her. He's got that political problem he's got to deal with down the road. Answer for why he put his wife on there, which I don't know. I mean, I, I think just what what's how does it help? And then she's now the senator who's got to run for re-election in November after being appointed by her husband. And it's a political mess and it looks bad and it just kind of stinks. And I, if, if you're asking me, my, my advice would be avoid that at every situation you possibly can. You've secured her the party structure. You've secured her the party line. There's no powerful Democrat who's going to cross the governor of New Jersey. The governor's just too powerful. Even as a lame duck, he still is incredibly powerful, controlling everything, every aspect of machination of government. So what's the rush? You wait till November. It's no big deal. It's only, you know, less than a year. It's not a rush, not a problem. And you use all the resources of the state to help her get there. Baby, it's cold outside, says, I know you're smart enough to know why the Dems want rid of Menendez to install a more progressive senator, maybe Tammy, two assets, or the Rhodes Scholar, Andy Kim. Yeah, look, I, like I said, yes, I understand that. And I, I've said this before many times as well. The only reason why Bob Menendez got indicted, he's guilty and everybody in New Jersey knows he's guilty, is for two reasons. And it's not about immigration. It is because of the time that he crossed Barack Obama on Iran. Bob Menendez was very outspoken against the Iran deal time that, that Obama dropped off pallets of cash to Iran and gave them billions of dollars and helped their nuclear program go forward. He was very critical of that. Right after that is the first time he got indicted for crimes that everybody knew he was guilty of. This time around, it was after he criticized Joe Biden for doing Obama's bidding and also helping Iran. 
that he was also indicted for crimes that everybody knew about and that were old crimes that go back years that the New Jersey Attorney General's office was fully aware of as well. Yes, 100%. He's indicted because he crossed the line, crossed the line, and went against what Obama wanted when it comes to Iran. Period. Otherwise, they would have ignored it, like they ignore corruption all the time. But I'm also saying to you, I don't believe he should have to leave the Senate. I think he should have to leave the, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He should have to be off that committee. But it, does, but nothing, it doesn't change anything. It, it, it does not change a thing. Like, even if this is some big conspiracy theory to help Tammy Murphy, like, even if John Fetterperson is doing that because he's doing a favor to Governor Murphy, it doesn't change anything. Either way, Tammy Murphy is the Democrat nominee for Senate. Either way, historically speaking in New Jersey, she has a very strong chance of winning, whether she's running as a senator or she's running as the Democrat nominee for Senate. So you don't need to pull any games like that. And I think those games come with way far too many political liabilities. You're going to be running in November of 2024 as the Democrat nominee for U.S. Senate in a year, a presidential election year. In a, in, a, in a blue state, at least when it comes to those elections, the governor's office is different. You know, the governor's race, Republicans can win that one. But when it comes to these, the, the U.S. Senate, yeah, it's, it's been the 70s since Republicans elected somebody. And New Jersey is going to be a blue state, most likely in 2024, too. I'm always a guy who believes hope springs eternal. But I also, I was born at night, but not last night, as they say. I understand political realities. So it's not it's an unnecessary conspiracy theory. I mean, not everything can have not everything has to have a a, a really hidden ulterior motive. It, Menendez is toast. He's done. He's he's done. It's just a matter of when he's done. And politically speaking, keeping it clean would mean he stays on and finishes his term. And then Tammy Murphy runs and gets there on her own and not because her husband appointed her. Now, she will not be getting there on her own. Understand that. But publicly, she can say that. But but that's not the case. I mean, behind the scenes, she's only getting there because the governor, her husband, controls all the political levers of New Jersey politics. So she's not really getting there on her own. I mean, she used her voice in an ad, a $200,000 ad campaign. She went out there the other day and proposed legislation. She doesn't have any right to. So she's not getting there on her own, but at least she can pretend. You know, at least one day she can turn around and say, I made it here on my own. And doesn't have to get into the murky details of having her husband, the governor, appoint her to the office and all that that brings with it, the baggage that it brings. And, and like I said, I mean, Democrats are unaccountable and he particularly is unaccountable and you know, he, he may not care. But I would imagine there are smart political people in his orbit who say, just keep Menendez there. What's the rush? What, what's the point? Keep him there and let her be the nominee and she'll most likely win. I mean, if she if she's the incumbent senator for a few months, it's not going to change much. Doesn't really give her that much of a leg up. If anything, it could hurt her because of the fact that her husband appointed her, and also because you never know what kind of votes are going to come up. She has no record right now. There's nothing to scrutinize. There's no you can't even go after her for her record on anything, other than her statements about wanting kids to be indoctrinated with climate change and you know her absolute support of abortion up until you know demand. She doesn't have a record to run on. The minute you're an incumbent, you have a record. You're tied to something. You can, you can be called out on your votes. You can be called out on your support of budgets. You can be called out on those things. So there's no upside to it. None whatsoever. None.
And considering the fact that there is a 100 percent chance that she will be the Democrat nominee for Senate. If you don't believe me, then write this down right now at 436 p.m. on Monday, December 4th, December 4th, tuck it into an envelope and stick it in your sock drawer. And on elect and, and then when the June primary happens in New Jersey, which is June. So we're talking about six months from now. And she's the nominee, the Democrat nominee for U.S. Senate. You can say, well, Rich was right again. There is a 100% certainty she will be the Democrat nominee for Senate, period. It's not even a debate. It's not a debate. It's not anything. So, that said, Bob Menendez should not leave the Senate. He's not going to leave the Senate. They're not going to remove him from the Senate. If they wanted to, they could, but they're not going to. But he should not be on that committee. He should not be on the Foreign Relations Committee. He should not be sitting there getting classified briefings. That's just ridiculous. Anybody with common sense can know that. Anybody with common sense can see that. When somebody shows you who they are, listen to them. Bob Menendez sold out the United States of America to help Egypt. But we knew this. This is not, these charges are not new. Understand that this goes back years. The only reason why we're having this conversation is because he crossed Obama on Iran again. And by Obama, I mean Joe Biden. Again, he crossed them on Iran again. And that's why they went after him, because we live in a police state and the and this government goes after its enemies and it protects its friends. So this government went after Bob Menendez twice, both times happening after he opposed the Iran deal. It doesn't change the fact that the guy is guilty as sin. Everybody knows Bob Menendez is guilty as sin, and it doesn't change the fact that the evidence goes back years and they ignored it. It just. It's just it is what it is. I mean, if he had just shut his mouth and just went along with what Obama wanted, he would not be indicted. Bottom line. That's it. 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in on everything we are chatting about today. Matt DeSantis will answer the phones, right? You're answering phones today? Did you show up to work today to answer phones? I'm answering them. Oh, you're such a good guy. Thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate that. You're all right with me, kid. You're okay. All right, so tell me about this. Uh, Henry corrected me before and said it's the chief security guard. Yep. Chief his, security guard. His official title, Dom DeSandro, is senior advisor to the general manager slash chief security officer. It's a big deal. Yes. All right, so last night there's a fight on the field, right? A little skirmish on the sideline, yes. Skirmish on the sidelines, as you would describe it, between who? Uh, between the 49ers, linebacker, uh Trey Greenlaw and uh, Eagles receiver Devontae Smith. And what did uh, what did Dom do? He got involved. He tried to stop he the got, fight. Right? He got involved. He you know he's going to stand up for his guys. He's going to stand up for his family. So you know he he pushed you know Devontae Smith back and kind of gave a little you know love tap to you know Greenlaw saying hey hey back up here. Greenlaw took offense to that. Took a swipe at Dom's face. Connected a little bit and. Uh, yeah, you saw what happened after that. Both uh, Greenlaw and Dom were ejected from the game. And he's just not like a security guard. He's the head of security. And as the Inquirer put it, Eagles coaches and players alike love Dom DeSandro mm-hmm. like a family member. Love him like a family member. He's not just like, I mean, it's important people know. And I think a lot of people last night on social media were reacting, thinking that he's just like a random. No, yeah, he's just some guy. Right, like just some guy, you know, the people that tell you where to sit and that sort of thing. That's not the case. He's the head of security for the Eagles. Correct. He's been he's been working for the Eagles for uh, 25 years now. He's been there longer than I've been alive. Uh he's been there through Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, uh Doug Peterson. He's he's lasted on all these uh coaching staffs and it's it's yeah, 
you see why people love him. People gravitate towards them. right, and he'll he'll stick up for his guys, and that's what he did. So he got ejected from the game because what the NFL rules say that he's not allowed to get involved in these in these matters, right? Yeah, and it is it is a weird circumstance because you know not a lot of times will like a coach or someone of, of the unpersonnel touch another team's player. That usually doesn't happen. But in this case, I thought it was warranted. You know, he was going to go at Smitty pretty hard, and he said, no, not my guy, not today. And yeah, Greenlaw took offense. And people got very upset that they kicked him out. Very upset. Oh, yeah, but I, I loved I loved the energy in the stadium after, you know, after it happened. They're giving him a standing O on the way out. I love that. He is the um, senior advisor to the general manager. He is responsible for security measures, for maintaining a relationship with local authorities, and for educating players on the NFL's personnel conduct policies but his more important role with the eagles after nearly a quarter century according to many coaches players and team personnel past and present is a chief is as chief resident of the psyche he should be head of psychology chip kelly said he said uh, even though the title doesn't do justice of how he, he juggles the various factions at the NovaCare complex he's a confidant to the players he's an advisor to coaches he's the front office's off-field eyes and ears and reports directly to to the big guy, to the lorry himself. And he somehow manages to toe the line of trustworthiness between each division without feelings of betrayal. So, look, I mean, clearly, clearly they love the guy. If Jeff Lurie loves the guy, if he didn't, he wouldn't be there, right? Let's just be honest. Yeah. If Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, who wanted to get rid of everybody on the Eagles coaching staff and all the players and everything, if he's going to bat for this guy, it tells you what kind of a man he is. Yeah. And his immersion in the lives of many with the Eagles has helped foster a familiar environment that allows for anything from one player's being present for his daughter's birth to another's confiding in him about his struggles at home. This is what uh, somebody said about him. They said, a lot of times a player is not going to come to the head coach. They're not going to come to their position coach. They need someone in the building that they trust. They know that Dom has their back and that he'll do anything for them and their families. He can talk players off of ledges or he can encourage guys, motivate guys. And he is a dynasty as well. Like he's he's also, it says like most families, the Eagles can have dysfunction. DeSandro is often responsible for handling that department as well. From the relatively minor, like parking or speeding tickets, to the more significant, like arrests and criminal charges, he uses his connections to serve the best interests of the franchise. But he is not a, a real public figure. Uh, Howie Roseman lauded DeSandro's investigative work in scouting players a few times. Current coach Nick Sirianni, along with his predecessors dating back to Andy Reid, have mentioned their quasi-bodyguard on one occasion. So you say he should not have been kicked out last night. Uh, or do you think if you're going strictly by the book? Yeah, by the letter of the law, yeah, he should have been ejected. But I I wish that had you know sparked the Eagles a little better. But yeah, by the letter of the law, he, he should have been ejected. Now, it's only one game, right? So he's going to be back. I, I would assume. I don't know if the NFL is going to take action against that. Because like I said, it's it's a very rare instance where like someone on the staff is the one you know, kind of pushing things apart, not just the players kind of resolving it themselves. He stepped in. Right, right. But it's not like he shoved Trey Greenlaw. You Has know, he, the NFL said anything about Dom? Have they said they're going to do anything about it or anything? Uh, I, I they believe they said they were looking into it. I don't know if anything will come of it. Because, yeah, like I said, it's such an, it's such an odd occurrence that this happened. By the way, Old Man Dudley on Twitter. How can you trust Tammy Murphy's judgment when you see who she's decided to sleep with? <laughs> Very good. It's excellent. Very funny. Uh, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I I thought when that happened it was going to turn the tide of the game. Oh, my gosh, right? You got the whole stadium riled yeah, up. Yeah, people were fired up about that. Wasn't right. They, they were down, mad. They went down that next drive. They scored on the, you know, brotherly yeah. shove. It's like, oh, man, we're so back. We're so back. And, you know, at the same time, Greenlaw getting ejected, it fired the 49ers up just as much as it did the Eagles. So, and it, yeah, you saw you saw that play out. But it's okay. That was the 49ers Super Bowl. They're Super Bowl champs of week 13. So let them have it. Let them Look, have it. We're still number one. We're still number one. Everybody's got to, you know, be a little chipper today. All mm-hmm. right. It's, try to it's, try to get Dallas through week. it. It's Dallas week. It's Gotta Dallas week. Doug Burgum's out of the race. This is mm-hmm. a tough day. <laughs> it's a tough day for all of us. We're all feeling it. I mean, this has been one of the worst days ever. <laughs> because right before I got on the air, I found out the most devastating news I've heard probably in my entire life. Doug Burgum has suspended his campaign for president of the United States. <laughs> say it ain't so. I know. I know. I know. And this is one of those rare times that I have to say I was wrong politically. Because I, I, call, I thought he was going to go all the way. I, I, you know, I was anticipating President Burgum. <laughs> Upset of the century. It really is. <laughs> and I don't think I should keep doing this job anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to tender my resignation to Greg Stalker. Wow. I am. Yeah, I, I think everybody has their time, you know. And maybe my time is now. Maybe, maybe my time has come and gone. My political radar is just not there anymore. My Fugazi radar, my gut instinct, my spidey sense, it all broke today. You understand that, right? It broke today? I I hear what you're saying, yeah. Everything I thought was real is broken now. Because I had it all all on Doug Burgum. I said, let it ride, baby! Let it ride on Doug Burgum! And I was wrong. So I'm sorry to the Zioli army. I, I let you down. I let you down. You believed in me, and I believed in him. You believed in me, and I believed in Burgum. (laughs) And now I'm broken. And now you're broken. And I'm sorry. Okay? I'm going to make it up to you. I promise. I will never make a bad political prediction again in my life. Which is why now I'm happy to tell you, without question, Chris Christie will be the next president of the United States. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. If you'd like to weigh in today, we got a lot to chat about. We're going to talk to our buddy, Dr. Wilfred Riley. He'll be here. What are we chatting with Dr. Wilfred Riley about? I think you said he wrote a piece recently, right? Uh, yeah, he has a new piece in National Review. He has a new piece, which I have right here in my formerly pangolin-stained fingers, which I will share with you. My formerly great um, Karnak-like political skills stained fingers, but now it's all gone as the truth comes out. I was wrong about Doug Burgum. (laughs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) Dr. Mike Videri is a great guy, great friend of the show and the master of dental implants, and I would love for you to reach out to him. Give yourself a gift this Christmas. How about you give yourself... Something special, just a new smile, a beautiful smile for you, because a smile says so much to the world. It lets the world know you're happy and you show your smile every day. So give yourself a great gift this Christmas season and give yourself the smile you deserve. Dr. Mike Venary is my family's dentist. I go there, Bridget goes there, Patrick, Claire and Reagan, and of course, Mama Zioli, who travels all the way from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for the great 
care and expertise of Dr. Mike Venaria. The level of care and commitment to dental excellence that Dr. Mike and his staff delivers to every patient will make you want to go to the dentist. If you've been contemplating that big, invasive dental procedure and you're nervous, don't be. Reach out to Dr. Mike for a second opinion free consultation. Listen, you only have one smile. Trust it with the guy who I trust for my smile, Dr. Venaria. He's been delivering results that surpass expectations and that has made him a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years. He has one of the most respected reputations among his peers as a master of dental implants. You have a choice, a clear choice for you and your family. So give Dr. Venaria a call today. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. He has two locations to serve you right over the bridge in Cinnamonson and Woodbury. Schedule your free implant consultation today for your perfect smile. Call 856-786-2020, 856-786-2020, or visit VenariaDental.com. It's V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Remember, he's my dentist. He's my friend. He's a great guy, great office, great music playing, great staff, and he'll give you the smile of your dreams. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. I know. Say it ain't so. Time I was wrong. Doug Burgum. Time Zioli got it wrong. Just remember that. Keep that. Keep it in your pocket for when you need it in the future. One day, and that day may never come, I will make a bold political prediction. You're going to call me up and say, Rich... Remember that time you predicted Doug Bergen would go all the way? That his face would be etched on Mount Rushmore. Do you remember that, Rich? <laughs> How wrong you got it? How do we believe you now? How do we trust you now? It's broken. So I will have that coming. I will have earned that. I will deserve that. I will wear that with a badge of honor. Whew. Tough day. Yeah, this is really getting you down. I've never seen you like this before. Yeah, well, I like to be right, Henry. I like to be right. And Burgum had everything going for him. (laughs) He had the Burgum bros, both of them. (laughs) (laughs) There were like six people backing him. And I thought those six had all the ability to change the trajectory of the race. No, in this entire time, I've been saying over and over, and if you listen to the show, you know this, I've been saying, forget forget Trump, forget DeSantis, forget Haley, you people all have it wrong. It's Burgum, it's Burgum's has got to stop, Burgum's has got to beat. Uh, poof, oof, this one stings. All right, 855-839-1210, I will do better um, uh, in the future. <laughs> Can I try to chew you up for a second? Sure. Uh, Asa Hutchinson is still in the race. Asshat Hutchins. You still have hit. Well, you pronounced it. You always pronounce it wrong, but I know he's Hutchin- a guy. Hutchinson. Hutchinson, yeah. Oh, I said, I said asshat Hutchinson. <laughs> well, the, you know, it's the first that, name. That's you... what I got. I said Hutchins. It's Hutchinson. Asshat Hutchinson. Wait, say the first name again. Asshat. Yeah, I think you're getting that wrong. A- Asa. That's just, that's what I said. Did you not hear that? That's what I said. Yeah, no, it's, I think your accent's coming out a little bit. Yeah, it's just, it's a just Italian thing. Jersey yeah. Italian thing, that's all. <laughs> well, I'm putting my money on the asshat. So... Take it to the bank. You heard it here first. I'm never wrong. Once in a while. Okay, occasionally. Got this one wrong about Bergen. But this time around, I'll be vindicated. All right? Double or nothing. 
ass hat goes all the way. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Feels good. Feels good to be back. I'm back, baby. I'm back! I feel like Will Ferrell at the end of old school. I'm back! Uh, five o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Dr. Wilford Riley about all the latest things in the crazy world of woke and um, what happened in Pennsylvania, what happened in Philadelphia outside of that uh, Jewish-owned falafel restaurant, Goldie's, just absolutely uh, outrageous, just uh, horrific what happened there. We'll share that story with you as well. And Pennsylvania is now considering divesting public funds from China. Remember, I opened the show today with this, this story about how we're intercepting more Chinese illegal immigrants at the border. Why is that happening? What's going on there? What is this all about? What is China hoping to achieve here? I'll give you some of my thoughts on that as a show progressive. And even a New York congresswoman is sounding the alarm over potential voter registration of non-citizens. This is another big crisis facing our way. And in New Jersey, there was a story today how, yes, in the last election that just happened in November, just like I told you, Mail-in balloting was the issue that helped the Democrats win. It was the successful mail-in ballot operation, and that is not going to change. So if Republicans want to make sure that the asshat wins the presidency when he is the nominee, you have to do, we, the party has to embrace mail-in balloting. It just has to. Mail-in balloting, early voting, it has to play all the games the Democrats play, whether we like to or not. That is the lesson, and we have to deal with it. All right? So that's what we need to do. And of course, the latest on Hunter Biden as well. As you see and I see all of the corruption, the details coming straight ahead, full steam ahead. You cannot ignore it. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Yes, you heard about it in the news report, a uh, tragic, tragic criminal attack at a Macy's in Philadelphia. I will cover that for you as well. Uh, all the latest uh, political news of the day as we are looking closer and closer to, well, political life after Doug Burgum. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us today. And always a pleasure to welcome to the show... The man himself, the man who wrote the book, Hate Crime Hoax, Dr. Wilfred Riley, his upcoming book, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, now available for pre-order at Amazon.com. What's up, Professor? Not much, just, you know, living the dream, living life, all those, all those kind of cliches just uh, just left my office. What about you? Nah, nothing. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was shocked last week when that court upheld the conviction of of Juicy Smollett. I, I didn't see that coming. I thought the guy was uh, <laughs> really guilty of, a, of of being a victim of a hate crime. I was shocked. Yeah, I think people are kind of sick of the whole Black Lives Matter era. I mean, certainly just like even listening to like Caucasian friends in the group chat, much less you know, serious politicians behind closed doors. I A lot of everyone wants to resolve kind of lingering racism or sexism in the USA. 
But I think it's starting to strike a lot of people that many of the quote unquote leaders that talk about this stuff are just hucksters and thieves. And I mean, you know, we saw that with BLM, the organization ended up uh, existing for a year without a CFO and buying eight mansions or whatnot. I mean, Jesse Smollett is a guy who mobilized the whole country around looking for, you know, these MAGA hat wearing racists in downtown Chicago mm-hmm. near the Gold Coast. Right. And I mean, you know, it turned out it was all a lie. He almost started some serious racial conflict in that city. So I'm not surprised to see judges throwing the book at him like that. That whole era didn't produce much of anything. I mean, black homicide rate doubled homicide rate for Caucasians up 50 percent. You know, police shootings of unarmed men, unarmed black men did drop from 14 to 12. So there's that. 14 percent or 14 people? No, no, 14, 14 guys, like even with whites and Hispanics thrown in, it's less than 100 men a year. There never was a problem. That's that's the Mm. thing. Interesting. Hmm. The only person who ever says that is you. I mean, others, but really you. I mean, that's the thing. It's not something that the corporate media ever talks about. Yeah, I mean, shout to the uh, the invaluable Heather McDonald from up around your area who. Yeah, she hasn't. I I don't know if she gets as many college speaking gigs. Well, there's certainly bigger ones when they happen. But I mean, I I think she's she's just a researcher who found this out, happened to have that knowledge, um, and doesn't like my my institution mostly supports me. I don't I don't know if she's gotten that kind of backing. So she's she's been put, but she's been pushing that same that same message for Manhattan and so on for for years. So shout out to one of the OGs there. You know, Glenn Lowry's noted this, but the actual data is not. Uh, disputable at all. You know, I mean, the Washington Post, which is a little bit to the the left of Lenin, has an entire database called the Counted Those Shot by Police. And the point, I think, is to demonstrate, well, there are almost a thousand police shootings per year. But I mean, how many are fatal shootings of unarmed people, especially who happen to be black? And every year, if you scroll through that figure, I mean, in 2015, the first year I ever looked at when the whole hysteria began, you know, it was 27, I think. Um, you know, across the entire country, 16 by white cops. So this is something that's never really changed. I mean, it's been between 12 and 30 every year that I've ever looked at. So the, the entire Black Lives Matter movement was to some extent based on a lie or at least an exaggeration. Like that this is this is something that as an ordinary African-American guy walking to church or a ball game, you have to worry about that. That was never the case. Now, the other thing, too, uh, the Jesse Smollett thing really got, got to me was the time that, that it happened. And, of course, I mean, 2 o'clock in the morning, 20 below in Chicago, the idea that these MAGA white supremacists were just looking to find somebody walking around with bleach and a noose. But the media did what they did, and they all went on about how this is a dark day for America and this proves racism's real. And when I brought this up on Friday, I actually quoted you, the quote that you often say, which is that the thing about yeah. hate crimes, the thing about racism, the thing about all these things is that we have a we have a supply problem. The demand is there. I mean, the left wants these things to be there. The left wants to say America's racist. The left wants to say we're all divided. But the problem is that the supply of racism does not meet the demand that they need for all of their BS claims. Yeah, that, that's correct. I mean, so uh, the, the core like Ibram Kendi argument is that every single gap in performance between large groups is caused by racism. And he has this whole framework, actually, that if you don't believe that you're a racist, because the only other possible explanation for these gaps could be genetic inferiority. So you believe in genetic inferiority. You think blacks are stupid or whites are slow, you know, just so on down the line. He has chapters full of this stuff. Now, in reality, that's nonsense. You could just think there were different cultures and different groups, or you could think that 
as is actually the case. The average black man is 27. The average white man is in his 50s. But that, that's the argument that everything you see, crime rates in the black community, fatherlessness rates in the black community, immigration issues, that, that's caused by prejudice in some sense, oppression in some sense. The problem with this narrative, kind of getting to the point, is that for it to be at all plausible, you have to be able to point to a lot of prejudice and oppression. And in modern upper middle class American life, there's almost no prejudice and oppression. And 27% of marriages are interracial. There are, you know, these don't benefit you any more than legacy programs do, but there are formal affirmative action programs designed to help minorities. They didn't hurt me when I was going to law school, you know, so on down the line. So like looking at reality, the average white guy might say, well, that just sounds like BS. You're, you're, if anything, a little more advantage than I am. We're just brothers. And you can't have people saying that, Rich. So you've got all these crazy incidents that are amplified way beyond the local media where they belong to kind of make this point, like this kid at the Kansas City Chiefs game that was featured in national sports media for blackface. Awful. That poor kid. Yeah, the other thing with this kid, there are two things with the kid. First of all, black and red are the Kansas City Chiefs colors. So now I don't know why anyone would cheer for the Kansas City Chiefs enough to know that. But, you know, they've had some success in recent years. Solid Midwestern franchise. And their team colors are red, black, and secondarily yellow. So this guy's not making fun of blacks and Indians. He's has his face painted the team colors. Also, he's a Native American Indian. Right. People were criticizing the red face and the, the bonnet he had on. He's the son of the chief of, like, the Chumash tribe in California. So every one of these incidents is going to collapse in this fashion, like Jussie Smollett, Covington Catholic, Duke Lacrosse. I don't mean to overstate. There are a few mass shootings and so on that, that have unfortunately been real. But the huge majority are going to turn out to be not true at all or nothing like the story we were told, because this simply isn't a huge ongoing problem. I mean, it really is that simple. It's not a huge ongoing problem, and that's a good thing, and America should celebrate that, but there are people who live to divide us and live to profit off of the division that doesn't really exist, and, we, and you mentioned some of those names. I mean, you mentioned some of those names, and, and, and obviously, I, I mean, I think it's the, the bigger picture and why they do it is because they do want to transform this country away from capitalism and towards socialism. And if you could argue that America is inherently racist and it's built on a foundation of white supremacy by a constitution that was written by a bunch of slave owners, then you you make an argument that you can tear the whole thing down and start over. And I, I've always thought that. I mean, I thought that when they were going after the statues of Confederate generals, I never thought it was ever going to end at Confederate generals. I, I thought it was going to keep going ultimately down to the founding fathers, which we see now. Because the founding fathers are their real targets. The Constitution is the real target. The Constitution restrains government. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. And the Constitution is the restraint, the guardrails. And they don't want any guardrails. And they don't want any restraints. And they want majority rule. And they don't like the idea that our system is set up to guard against faction and they and the passions and the whims of the angry mob. So that ultimately, I think, is what their goal here is. And, and, and also, while they're at it, to make a buck or two, because clearly, as you pointed out, they, they, they do pretty well. It is, it is profitable. The, the, the victim industry is very profitable. Yeah. You know, came to do good, stayed to do well is one of the classic lines about charity and government. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to what you just said. Now there were reasonable debates about, should there be, 
U.S. Army bases named after people who are technically guilty of treason against the country and so on. But, yeah, reading through the Black Lives Matter, for example, founding documents, which said things like we need to get rid of first the black and then the white nuclear family. That's a quote. Um it was pretty obvious that the, the issues that they had with General Lee weren't just with General Lee. If, if you're going to criticize anyone who killed in war or owned a slave, you're going to be criticizing not just every white leader, but every global male leader until maybe 250 years ago. That, right. That's just a fact. And you get the sense that, that that is the underlying objective. Just in one sentence, if you want to criticize Western culture, which for all its flaws has been easily the most successful culture in the world past 300 years. England, the USA, Australia, the five guys, five eyes, you know, I have to throw in France here, so on down the line, Canada. It, it helps you to be able to say, well, they might've achieved great things, but they did that only because of theft from us or, but all those accomplishments are invalidated by X. And we need to move away from that evil society and toward this new, better one. Yeah, at some level, that is the deep underlying goal. What is the new alternative to the West going to be? Dr. Wilford Riley's with me, and it's always great to have him on the show. His upcoming book, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, which is available for pre-order right now at Amazon.com. Another, of course, uh, big lie that we're told is that trans people in America are being viciously attacked and uh, and brutalized all all throughout the country. And so the White House came out with their transgender month of awareness or whatever it was. Here is uh, White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre, the fembot. Uh, this is what she said. Take a listen. Well, today on Transgender Day of Remembrance, we grieve the 26 transgender Americans who were killed this year, year after year. We see that these victims are disproportionately black women and women of color. No one should face violence, live in fear, or be discriminated against simply for being themselves. Okay, Dr. Wilford Riley, is she correct about anything she said there? No. I mean, so this is one of my more recent articles, as you know, for uh, National Review magazine, flagship of that mainstream conservative movement, standing athwart history and yelling stop and all that. Um, no, I actually was curious enough about this to look at the data. And so, first of all, you're, you were incorrect, I will say. It was not Transgender Month of Awareness, nor was it Gay Pride Month, which we saw earlier in June. This is a separate event called Transgender Week of Remembrance. <laughs> so we, we must keep all of these distinct. There are like 18, apparently, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but the, the theme of all this is that in a typical year, there are about 26 transgender individuals that are killed by uh, mostly, you know, minority and working class white males. And so this is an epidemic. There's a, you know, in our society, we're exterminating these, these precious people. What what I did was just calculate that murder rate of 26 against a population of 1%. And all of a sudden, I mean, I realized that the transgender murder rate was, you know, an order of, excuse me, an order of magnitude lower than the murder rate for blacks, poor whites, men, Southerners. So it was, again, one of those situations where something is happening that initially does sound depressing or disturbing. And you start unpacking and looking at it because, you know, you never want anyone to die. And you realize that there's a lie of omission here. Like it, it's technically true. People in this group are the victim of crimes, but they are less often the victim of crimes than almost everyone else. So that that's, that's what I found. 
And and the piece, by the way, at National Review, trans, there is no trans genocide, which is good. I mean, again, that's something that everybody yeah. should be happy about. We don't support genocide of, of any kind. Um, but but again, there are groups out there that that live to exi- exist to. They fundraise off of. They make money off of this notion that there is this genocide happening in in America. And you know, it's like when the Nashville shooter, that school shooter who was transgender, came out and you know this manifesto that ultimately had to be leaked by Stephen Crowder because they wouldn't they wouldn't release it. They wouldn't put it out there. Um, but they they initially tried to spin that as if because of what. That, that shooter did that day, trans people were going to be brutally attacked in re, in some sort of revenge or something like that. And of course, that, that didn't happen either. But here was a person who clearly was motivated by hatred of straight white people, Christians, and wanted to murder them because of that fact. And then when that was obvious in the manifesto, they did everything they possibly could to keep that from being released. So that people would not know the motivations of that, because, again, it shatters the narrative, the narrative being what? Well, transgender people are actually brutally victimized in this country on a daily basis. They're certainly not aggressors, right? Yeah, I mean, so if you look at the trans percentage of the population, there's almost certainly a much higher rate of aggression in serious cases. If you look at like of the last five mass shooters, I think three were trans or non-binary. I mean, there's a really high correlation between that and mental illness. There's a much higher rate of that than there is of unprovoked victimization. It's just, again, there, there's not really anyone that's in the uh, in the market for that message, except maybe in kind of right leaning media. But the reality still is what it is. The reality is what it is. Well, that's uh, it's a good reality to have then because it's uh, a positive thing. Let me I want to play another clip for you. This is in Philadelphia. You probably heard about this. This is a uh, Jewish owned Philadelphia falafel restaurant. And it made national news, Goldie. And the uh, the chef there is an American Israeli chef named Michael Solomon, Michael Solomonov. Uh, And the people there vandalized the front door and the windows and they were chanting this chant. Take a listen. There you go, Dr. Wilford Riley. Uh, What do you make of all these, uh, uh, quote, pro-Palestinian protesters out there? Yeah, I mean, first of all, that that sounds a lot more like a lynch mob, something black Americans, Irish people, certainly the Jews have heard in the past than it does a legitimate protest about Palestinian issues. They're either claiming the guy I did from the what I was hearing, they're either claiming the guy's committing genocide or they're advocating genocide for him. I mean, that's not. In either case, you know, peaceful language. The thing that's so stupid about this is that it gets right to the root of why protest culture is pretty much useless and why people with jobs tend to make fun of it. I mean, so they're chanting Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. I'm not from Philly, but I think I've been to Goldie on a business trip. and It's like a falafel place. Yeah. Like they're they're attacking a Middle Eastern food restaurant by name and accusing it of backing Israeli war crimes or something. So, I mean, like, this is something that we've seen for the past couple of years that I think we've become way too tolerant of in the United States in terms of things that should be wiped out totally. But like, legally, of course, but like mobs of people getting together and picking the most random targets and attacking them for reasons like not having a black square in their window. So 
So, I mean, to say the obvious, if you have a problem with someone and you're on the right, I mean, there might be exceptions, late-term abortion clinics or something, but you you don't go to businesses owned by liberals or businesses with rainbow flags in the windows or black-owned businesses and attack them because you have some kind of vague disagreement with the political opinions you think their owners might hold. So the the solution to this is basically just to, uh, enforcing the law. Like if you're attacking a small businessman with fighting sticks and beating in his windows, just have send in as many cops as it takes and throw those guys in jail. I don't I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And uh, the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, came out and condemned this as an anti-Semitic rally. Uh, it's funny, too, because the guy here who is uh, the chef behind behind all this, Michael Solomonov, you look at his Twitter account and he puts out a lot of <coughs> very uh, pro-Democrat things. I mean, he retweets Barack Obama. He's always retweeting things that are issues that are big to the left. I mean, Kamala Harris, uh, uh, on and on it goes. So, again, it's another irony, right? I mean, it's uh, you have these anti-Semites who are protesting outside his restaurant and screaming and yelling and everything like that. And politically, they're probably on the same side of the aisle with him. I mean, that, you don't see conservatives out there doing these things. There are not people on the right who are out there doing these awful anti-Semitic chants and rallies outside of colleges or restaurants or anything else. And this is not the first time this has happened in Philadelphia. There, there were others that it happened. And, of course, the Philadelphia Inquirer, they write it like this. Hundreds, hundreds rally for Gaza in Philly stopped to protest outside Goldie Falafel Shop. That's how they reported what happened there. These people committed violence, anti-Semitic chants. The local newspaper in town, the Inquirer, writes it like that. Hundreds rally for Gaza in Philly stopped to protest outside Goldie Falafel Shop. Like they just took a stop, you know, like, like a rest stop. You know what I mean? Just a just a stop along the protest route. Yeah, I mean, so there, there are a couple things here. Like, first of all, this is a good illustration of how you can never be politically pure enough for woke people. Right, right. <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, like, the, the idea, and I'm not, I don't mean to stereotype here, but the idea that a Jewish guy in a city as big as Chicago who owns a small business is a Republican, 5% chance. I mean, so clearly, you know, when it comes to his voting position on Obama or his take on early trimester abortion or his position on union labor or something, this guy, I guarantee you, is a down-the-road, check-every-blue-box Democrat. Just because everyone in that demographic would be. Right. You know, so why are they turning against him? Well, because on the one thing where he says, look, I'm of Jewish heritage. There may have been crimes on both sides, but it's impossible to defend Hamas on October 7th. On the one thing that they're rallying around now, they don't agree with him. It really is that simple. Like, we don't need to go very deep into it. There's there's almost a religious catechism. Like, if you're in church, you can't tell your priest, well, sure, I fornicate, but I don't commit crimes of violence. I mean, it's be, <laughs> be assigned 180 Hail Marys or whatever, and it's a wrap. I mean, that, it's his job. He's a priest. So it's the same thing with any catechistic behavior like this. And this is why you see, like, businesswoman friends of mine, like, they get that it's a joke, but they'll post, if they're working in marketing or something, they'll post this stuff like, why I'm confident in my feminism, because my feminism is pro-Palestine, it's pro-Black, it's pro-illegal migration. And, like, I'll sometimes message them, like, did you get it all? Like, it's, it's obvious that stepping away from any of these one thing, any of these things, would leave you very open to criticism. Like, but what about the migrants? In reality, feminism, in any coherent sense, is just a belief women should be paid as much money as men. Like, it has nothing to do with any of that but all that is the catechism and this guy this guy was a heretic he took a line out of the catechism 
Yeah, and and feminists too, which of course at one point advocated for women to be able to have access to uh, you, you know jobs in the workplace and then climb the corporate ladder and make sure they're paid as much as men. Feminists now are the same people that are saying that if a biological male wants to compete against a woman, that that man should have the right to do so and should be cheered on. Uh, so again, feminism is 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 very very odd today. I somebody made a great point regarding that kid to bring up the kid again who was with the. Um, had the colors painted on his face. Uh, you know, if that little boy had been a little girl who went to the, had he identified as a little girl and went as Pocahontas and somebody criticized him for doing that, that person would be out of a job today. Like if that guy wrote a piece saying, um, A, you're not a, you're not a girl and B, you're not a, you're not an Indian princess or Native American princess, that guy would be out of a job. Deadspin is not out of a job. And this is the other thing I wanted to bring up to you, whether it's Deadspin or whether it's Rolling Stone with that awful piece about a rape on campus where they vilify these young fraternity men at UVA, there seems to be no consequences to their actions. Like they can just get away with it. And I think the reason why is because they argue, well, okay, so this one was wrong, but it doesn't change the fact that there's rape culture. So we got one story wrong, but it doesn't matter because somewhere right now in America, um, women are just being raped all across college campuses. And all right, we got this one wrong, but it doesn't matter because America is so racist that um, there, there are other kids who have racism in their heart. And that's how I think they get this gigantic pass and there's no consequences for them whatsoever, even in the marketplace, it seems. Yeah, so I'd say two things there. First of all, the things that they are accusing everyone of doing, no one ever does. I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a hated guy in college. I've never seen a, a Greek house or a large GDI, quote unquote, group engage in that kind of treatment of women. I don't, it, don't think it would be tolerated. I'm sure there are rapists out there just like there are anywhere else. But of course, there aren't entire fraternity houses running rape rings upstairs with 20 brothers just sitting around watching that. That's not occurring. It's the same thing with racism. There aren't massive, like whites and blacks have begun doing this or whatever, the Caucasians and African-Americans have begun doing this uh, on social media where there's this video of like two guys getting a fight and people comment under it like the West has fallen. Like, no, it hasn't. There's there's not an epidemic of this, certainly not in the white on black direction, but even really overall, you know, so the first point is that a lot of times these phenomena don't exist. The second thing is that even if the phenomenon does exist, like, I mean, there are rowdy parties at college. I'm sure there are sexual assaults. If you are innocent, it's still liable to accuse you. It doesn't matter that someone who has a penis is a rapist. I'm not. You know, so I'm going to sue you if you say I am. And I, I actually think that this gets into something very deep, which is that a lot of middle class people, and I notice in particular white people, business people, kind of don't feel like the laws around this are written to apply to them. But in reality, the Civil Rights Act, the laws against defamation, all that stuff are totally ecumenical. Like, you can sue. I feel a little guilty giving people the advice to bring more lawsuits. But I mean, like, what you kind of need here is what I think of as the Covington rule. So when they did this with the Covington Catholic kids who come from, like, no-joke families in Kentucky, I know some of them, they actually literally rounded up the best lawyer in Lexington and just sued everyone. They sued the Washington Post, they sued CNN, MSNBC, and they won. I'm going to throw out a figure, $10 million. Right. Like, that's not officially reported, but I mean, it was it was a sizable amount of money. I mean, Nick Sandeman's not a poor man in college. He goes around this area. I mean, so I would recommend that people do that. Like, if you're a pike or whatever, and you're at you're on you're on a particular campus and something that's obviously your fraternity with the house described in detail is accused of running the story of O style parties. 
get your dad's lawyer on the line. I mean, like it's that that's the solution. Like if someone performs an operation on your kid that makes them permanently infertile, sue them for $20 million. And I think when that begins to happen, when ordinary citizens kind of overcome the disgust about these kind of gauche media tracking lawsuits and start doing that, all this stuff is going to slow down dramatically. You can't refuse to hire blacks, but you can't refuse to hire whites either. Yeah, and I, and I I think the family has retained counsel, the family of that little boy, and, and, and they should sue. They should sue Deadspin absolutely 100% they should. It's the only way. you got to fight back on this stuff. I mean, I think I'm glad Elon Musk is suing Media Matters for the little, the, the, the vile game that they played with the algorithm to try to make all these companies believe that their advertisements were being shown next to these, you know, vile racists on Twitter. I mean, it was a, it was an absolute... Um, lie what they did and 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 you have you got to push back on that i mean i think conservatives are learning that you cannot let these things go you have to fight back otherwise they'll just keep doing it yeah i think that the the impression of conservatives because we were always kind of like the business people like we were, we were in charge of a decent number of these sectors the impression of conservatives always was well it's it's only our enemies doing this stuff i mean like you might be called a racist by the southern poverty law center during a democratic administration but no one moody's corporate ratings no one's going to take that seriously but as the infiltration of kind of woke perspectives into business and academia increased you find that one people do take take that very seriously if you look at ESG and how BlackRock lists funds and so on. Um, And two, the mainstream entities are starting to do this. So like Wikipedia, for example, Google something like cultural Marxism and see what Wikipedia says. The last I looked, it was like the anti-scientific right-wing conspiracy theory that Jews control the world. (laughs) And it was just like, bro, that's not what it is. (laughs) Like we were writing articles about this for Tablet Magazine in 2020. Like you just made that up. But you, you're right. You do have to start fighting back. Like if someone Googles you, I've had this happen to me. But if someone Googles you and the first thing they get is like, you know, right wing consultant and professor Wilfred Riley who's dubious theories that most hate crimes are fake. It's like, you know, there's a chart in the book. It's, there's nothing questionable. So you have to go after that article and, you know, critique the author, maybe sue him. Where'd you get your facts? Otherwise, that's how you're going to be seen. Like the first hit for Matt Walsh will be like transphobe of the year. I think he'd think that was funny. But there are a lot of people in regular work that that don't have that luxury. Uh, By the way, are you friends with Jordan Peterson? Uh, I've talked to him a couple of times online. Don't know him personally. I mean, he's another one, right, where he, he's a guy that uh, Canada tries to shut him up and, and, you know, they go after him all the time. I have a story from Canada. I'll, this will be the last thing I bring up with you. I know you got to run, but an official Canadian government agency has declared that Christmas is racist and rooted in settler and colonial discrimination. The Canadian Human Rights Commission claims that Christianity in practice is, in Canada is essentially a form of discrimination. They said only through better understanding of how religious intolerance takes place in Canada can our legislation, policies, and programs be crafted to address the causes and consequences of this intolerance. And they go on to talk about how Christmas is, in fact, inherently uh, an example of religious bias and also, of course, back to racism again. Yeah, I mean, it's complete drivel. Like, Christmas is the birthday of Jesus. It's been celebrated. I mean, Jesus obviously died in assuming the the historical story. I wouldn't describe it as just a legend, but I mean, like, he died in 34 AD. Yeah. It's been celebrated since 50 years after that, after the death of Paul. I mean, by a bunch of people like Ethiopia and other not exactly white countries. So that's a, that's a really like a lot of this this woke stuff strikes me. Unlike traditional liberals who would really you know go to the wall with you about health care or the war in Vietnam or something, a lot of these woke people just strike me as dumb. 
like they, they're sort of set associations like oppressor oppressed that are taken from like the American black or heterosexual context and then are just stupidly applied to things where they don't make any sense. Like the whole Jewish Arab conflict in the Middle East has nothing to do with colonialism or oppression. It's two of the most powerful groups in the world fighting over land. Like, I mean, it's just, you, I support the Israelis, but just the, your framework makes no sense there. And saying that the religion of most native Canadians is racist is nonsensical. I mean, in fact, there is no better argument that the old wars, as I call them, capital O, capital W, were good than that kind of undisputed elements of civilization like Christianity and science were spread around the world. And Indian chiefs used to say this, like we wouldn't have the scientific method. We'd still be worshiping, you know, the old war god, Coyote, were it not for these conflicts. So like we mourn the warriors we lost, but it's good for everyone that both we and our white neighbor live in, you know, a three-story brick house with indoor heating. This, this used to be pretty much the consensus. And I, I think in a saner world, it still would be. Well said, my friend. Well said. Always a pleasure. Always enjoy our time together. Lies my liberal teacher told me. Pre-order it now at Amazon.com. Dr. Wilfred Riley, follow him on Twitter at Will. Well, it's uh, W-I-L underscore D-A underscore Beast 630. It's Will the Beast 630, like an old prefix and a jersey number kind of shoved in there. I'm from Aurora, Illinois. But it's Will the Beast 630. Follow him. It's worth it. Trust me. You'll enjoy it. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour. Happy hour. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday. Now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelCapeMay.com. And you know what? If you're looking for the perfect holiday gift for your family this year, book a holiday getaway at my happy place, the beautiful Oceanfront Grand Hotel in Cape May, New Jersey. Now, first of all, mark your calendar. Our next live show is going to be Friday, December 15th. It's our last one on the books. We don't have any more scheduled. That's it. Your last chance. If you've been thinking about coming to a live show at the Grand and you've been putting it off, well, you better do it. If you've been, if you've been to one before, I expect to see you back. For our big year-end grand finale, Christmas style at the Grand Hotel of Cape May. Because Cape May is beautiful Christmas time. They go all out and you'll love it. And they have something for everyone. For the kiddos, you can book the Grand's Holiday Family Splash Package and enjoy the huge indoor pool with the hot tub, arcade, delicious food at Hemingway's Restaurant. Holiday Splash Packages include complimentary breakfast when you stay two or more nights. Stay three or four nights and save 10% off regular rates. Book five or more nights and save 15% off room rates. Valid from December 22nd through December 28th. Or ring in the new year in a grand way when you book the grand New Year's Eve package. This package is loaded, including breakfast and dinners all weekend and toasting in 2024 at the main event celebration in the beautiful fifth floor ballroom. There's so much more to the Grand Hotel. The people, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. The views of the ocean. Always book direct with them to get the best rates. Call today, 800-257-8550 or visit grandhotelcapemay.com. Grandhotelcapemay.com. And I will see you Friday, December 15th for our next and final of the year live show, grandhotelcapemay.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. 
Indeed, indeed. 855-839-1210 is the number if you'd like to weigh in today on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, I, I mentioned this, this situation that happened at Macy's in Philadelphia today. Um, awful and making national news too. once again, Philadelphia making national news. I'll tell you, it, it, it always seems like uh, just another day, another story of, of crime in the city. And the latest from local news, I'll go to Fox 29 because they, they always have good stuff. And Steve Keeley's always good. And this is the update from about an hour ago. Macy's stabbing security guard killed in double stabbing at Philadelphia Macy's. Authorities say an unarmed security guard was killed in a double stabbing Monday morning at the flagship Macy's store that happens right by City Hall. So if you've been in that neighborhood of Philly recently, and you probably have not, and I don't blame you. Honestly, I really don't. I don't blame you. We used to love going to the Christmas Village in Philly, and we used to love to take the kids there. I will not be doing that this year. Absolutely not. No way. Just no way. Not doing it. I, 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 you know, the more and more people that I talk to who don't live in the city have no interest in going in none the crime thing is just because let's face it i mean philly used to be a great christmas time it was great to go and enjoy it and walk around and that christmas village that they had at love park and now at city hall used to be a beautiful thing we would do it every year bridge and i did it actually before we even had kids we used to do that you know we were we were we had a place up in up by fairmount we would walk down there and we'd get some hot toddies for the road and do our shopping and had a wonderful time. Loved it. When the kids came around, we would bring the kids and it was fun. And we made a day of it, you know, made a day of it, do that, get some food in the city and walk around. I have no interest in doing that now. Really don't. None. I have just no interest. And and I hope that the new police commissioner can, can turn things around. I, I hope the mayor can. I was very impressed that the mayor took the time to go on with Dom and very impressed that she is saying all the right things, at least when it comes to, supporting law enforcement and fighting criminals. She has a major problem, though, that it's going to be very dif- difficult for her to deal with, and that is that she is dealing with a district attorney, Larry Krasner, who believes that criminals are victims, like all Marxists do, and so he is not going to be pushing back, and the crime is just completely out of freaking control. And you also have a nation right now that is an epidemic of shoplifting. It's It's a... We've made jokes on the show before about how you can steal up to $1,000. So bring in your calculator. And as you're stealing stuff, just make sure you don't cross that 999 threshold, $999.99. If you don't, you're good. You can take it all, you walk out with it, and you're good to go. If you cross that threshold, then you're going to go to jail. So, you know, as you're shoplifting, be mindful of that. As a consequence of that, of cities now being relaxed on shoplifters again because they feel like they're victims and they just don't have enough and they're victims of capitalism and blah, blah, blah. You have stores leaving. You have stores locking up merch and you have uh, things go bad because criminals are brazen. The stabbing happened following a botched shoplifting attempt inside the store. It's a 1300 block of market around 11 a.m. Investigators believe the suspect was caught by security guards stealing hats and handed over the stolen merchandise after a brief confrontation. About 15 minutes later, investigators say the suspect returned to the store, attacked two security guards, stabbing both of them with a knife. And a 30-year-old security guard died at Jefferson Hospital from a stab wound to the neck. The second victim, a 23-year-old, was treated for stab wounds to the face and the arm. The suspect fled the store, was later captured by SEPTA police at the Somerset station. Just a tragic situation. A few weeks before the holiday, these security officers are just doing their job. They're here to make sure that people can come to this location and shop in a safe manner. 
said the interim police commissioner. He added that retail thefts are not uncommon at the store with more than 250 incidents of retail theft having already been reported this year. It's an ongoing situation, an ongoing problem, not just for large chain stores like this, but in terms of businesses throughout the city. It's not any less important as far as our chain of things to address as far as safety for the city, because you can see it's very important in the fact that what starts out as retail theft ended in a homicide. And I would imagine that this is going to turn out to be some crazy freaking homeless person like you're seeing all over. And that's another problem, too, is that as cities tolerate the homeless problem and they believe that these people have a right to have tents on the street and defecate on the streets and everything else, they they create a culture and that culture is lawlessness and people don't want to come in. And if you don't prosecute people for minor things, it becomes a major problem. It is the broken window theory of of policing if you allow broken windows to exist if you allow the petty crimes to go on bigger crimes will come and that that mentality of addressing that is how new york city was able to turn itself around it was why philadelphia was a safe city for a long time and now why the city has gone to hell and why all these democrat cities have gone to hell because they don't go after petty crimes anymore i saw somebody the other day just weaving in and out of traffic I mean, so brazenly driving up and down the Vine Street Expressway, no license plates on the car, not in the front, not in the back. And you can't stop them anymore for that. That's what I mean. You can't. They don't want police encountering people because the left has decided that police are just out there uh, killing unarmed black men, which is a lie. And you just heard Wilford Riley go through the stats on that. It's a lie. But that doesn't stop the left from saying it. And it doesn't stop the left from coming up with all of these reasons why police should not be interacting with citizens, why police should not be out there dealing with people and and confronting them, because the people that 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 the police wind up coming across, they're just victims anyway. And then the police are just going to kill them. That's what the left said. That's what the left believes. And this is what you get. This is the you reap what you sow. Uh, Bill is in West Grove. Bill, how are you, sir? Hey, Rich. Happy holidays. Good to speak with you again. Same to you, Bill. Um, I have two questions. How long or how how long can you go on stealing before there's nothing left to steal? And how long will the American people put up with this stuff? It's, it's over the edge, man. Yeah, man. I don't know. I it's, it's really how long until businesses just say we're out and you see that happening, right? Businesses saying we're not going to be here anymore and then leaving. Which is a big yeah, disservice and, to the to the neighborhoods. Yep. And and then does it move to a different location? Does it keep coming out this way? Because I'm way out in the country, man, and I'm not even comfortable with it. And I totally agree with what you said about Philly. I used to work in there. I met Liberace in there one morning, and and Philly used to be a grand place to be. It's not now. No, it's not, and it's getting. And the thing is, it's getting worse. I mean, I I I will put great faith in the mayor and faith in the new police commissioner. But you still have the you still have the problem with the with the district attorney Larry Krasner. That's the problem. You still have this, well, and until that changes, I don't know how you're going to be able to improve a damn thing. Well, you said that she's saying all the right things. Let's hope she'll do all the right things. But I want to wish you and your staff and your family, your lovely family, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and to all the Zioli Army out there, man. Well said, Bill. Same to you, buddy. Thank you so much for the call and for listening to the show. We appreciate it, pal. I do it every day, man. I learn a whole lot from you, my friend. Love to hear that. Thanks, buddy. Doug is in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Hello, Doug. Hey, Rich. Good to talk to you. I just have one 
question, actually, clarification on the $999 thing? Yes. Is that before tax or tax included? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, right? So <laughs> I, I, the advice I give to shoplifters is factor in the sales tax. Right. Because some okay. things are not taxable. So, again, it takes a little bit of work. But as you're going around the store stealing stuff, have a calculator and also a handy guide to what is taxable and non-taxable uh, in Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, here to help. Any other questions? Nope. Have a good holiday. All right, buddy. You too. Thank you, Doug. Thanks. Yeah, that, that's Bye-bye. how it throws people off, Matt DeSantis. You know, you, you wind up, you steal a TV, taxable. You steal gloves, may not be taxable. It, You know, so you got to know, and it's on you as a shoplifter. It's on you. Nobody can hold your hand through this. You got to take some responsibility for your actions and know if you're going over the 999 and you can't claim the sales tax problem when you get out of the store. <laughs> Shoplifting isn't as simplistic as I thought it was. Wow. No, I mean, it's getting easier with the help of technology. Yeah. But you still have to solve that mathematical equation. Yeah. And most shoplifters, let's face it, are Mensa candidates. They are geniuses. <laughs> they should not need a calculator. They should be able to calculate all of this in their head. Yeah, look, I say the cal- I'm not a math guy, so for me, if I go on a shoplifting binge, I gotta have the- I gotta do it old fashioned. Can I suggest that maybe the first thing you steal is the calculator? No, that's an excellent suggestion, actually. Yeah. And yeah, right, that should be the first thing you take. <laughs> Protect yourself. The hell would they just take a computer and then like as you're standing there, just setting it up, be like, "Sir, can we help with that?" No, I'm gonna steal this. It's it's on sale for two fifty. That's the other thing too. A lot of people don't realize about shoplifting. You have to go with the. You don't do the pre-sale price. You just oh. do the sale price. People don't realize oh, that. Geez, I had no idea. I know. I it throws people off all the time. You do learn a lot by listening to this show. I'm here to help. It's what I do. Ever since the shame of my prediction that Doug Bergen was going all the way fell flat. But in fairness, who could have seen that coming? I know. I agree. I mean, most astute political minds were with me on this. Doug Bergen <laughs> was going all the way. But I owe the Zioli Army a, a, a do-over. I owe a mulligan here. And I'm sorry. You know, I got it wrong. I'm crushed. I'm just as crushed as you are. I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> Doug Bergen, we hardly knew you. You and your Bergen bros, both of them. <laughs> there were dozens of people backing him. There are dozens of us. We're the Bergen Bros. He had 50,000 supporters, though. He just had to... No, he got 50,000 people to get suckered for a gift card. (laughs) Well, he still counted as supporters. Listen, I'll take a gift card, too. It doesn't mean I support the guy. You had to donate a dollar, and then you got a $20 gift card uh, in return. Yeah, you know what we call that in Jersey? A bribe. (laughs) A payoff. That's what we call that. I'll give you 20 bucks if you vote for me. All right. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> how the hell that's legal i have no idea but yeah, that that's how bergam got on the debate stage very strange. give me a dollar and i'll give I'll, and i'll give you a 20 dollar gift card we're like all right sure yeah i don't care hey here's a dollar i just made 19 bucks it took me 30 seconds oh doug you let us down and the thing about doug bergam is i always really appreciate his position on I don't know any of his positions, but I just loved, I loved, I loved his look, you know, I loved, I loved, uh, flannels and a yeah. Carhartt vest. Yeah. That, that, that whole thing. And the hair kind yeah. of flowed. It was sort of like a, and don't forget his walking yeah. boot. It, right. 
There's that. Yeah, he tore his account. His hair was very much like, uh, what's his name? Um, Matthew, uh, what's his name? McConaughey. Yeah. All right. All right yeah, it kind of right. reminded me of a little McConaughey vibe going on. Oh, you, know? you know what? He kind of does have McConaughey yeah. hair. Would have been interesting to see him and Gavin Newsom square off in a debate. That'd be a good hair battle. <laughs> good hair battle. Be a good hair battle right there. And the other thing, too, about Doug Burgum is that, you know, Christy Nome, as the governor of South Dakota, gets all the attention because she's a smoke show. Um, and Doug was always the lesser of the Dakota governors, let's be honest, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, you have the Dakotas, and, and North Dakota is kind of the lesser anyway because you don't have Mount Rushmore, right? That's in South Dakota. So, And then you get the hot governor, and then you get Doug. So he was the lesser in every single way, but... I mean, to drop out of the race before the asshat, is, that, that says a lot. It was an uphill battle for him. It was. And I called this one wrong. I just called it wrong, damn it. But everybody makes mistakes in life, all right? Sometimes you have to learn, and it's a bitter pill to swallow. But my next prediction that we will watch the inauguration of President Asset Hutchinson <laughs> on January 21st of 2024 will come true. You write this down at 5.54 p.m., December 4th, 2023. <laughs> I still think you're mispronouncing his first name. Uh, Hutchinson. The first name. Hutchinson, yeah. Uh, Hutchins? Wait, is Hutchins or Hutchinson? No, no yeah, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Asset Hutchinson. See, I think it's the first name you're mispronouncing. I, did, I think I just said it right, Henry. Don't, don't you think? It's it's a little I get it gets caught in the throat a little bit when you're saying it. Sometimes I talk too fast. I've heard that criticism yeah. before. Maybe that's just it. I have to slow down a little bit. Yeah, take a drink of water and say it one more time. I, it might just be me. I might be hearing things. Maybe I'll gargle with it. <laughs> I can't do that. <clears throat> I've never been able to gargle. Which is a radio host you should be able to do because your throat gets tired sometimes. You gotta gargle with salt water, they say. But I never do that. I just drink bourbon. Makes it easier. Coax it, you know, coats it on the way down. So. <laughs> a little liquor layer, that's all. Well, we're going to do that at the Grand Hotel. There's a tree at the Grand Hotel. We're going to be there for that. December 15th. You coming to Santa's? I'll be there, of course. Excellent. Henry? Henry? <clears throat> uh, Henri? I'll, I'll be here, uh, man. In oh, the, come on. The Why can't you come? I, I've got something. Oh, 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 oh. A prior, a prior oh, engagement. This is an all sus, as the kids say. <laughs> sus. I'm acting very sus right now. You're being very sus right now, Henry. Very sus. What do you have that night? A hot date? Uh, not, no, not exactly. I'm taking a little trip. Oh, Henry the Eighth vacation? Where are you going this time? <laughs> uh, we're heading down to the nation's capital. Are you really? Yeah. Good. You going to storm it? <laughs> Uh, that, oh, remains down be, that remains to be seen. It depends on how many drinks I have. Be careful. You just got on a list. You're now on the terror watch list. Congratulations. Great. Now I'm FBI's most wanted. Yeah. There's going to be two black SUVs outside the uh, Odyssey headquarters when you walk out tonight. <laughs> Great. Just what I needed. Just what I needed. Yeah. Start Is it too week. soon to make jokes about storming the Capitol? I, mean, <laughs> I was just, I was just, it's like the Princess Bride, you know? Have fun storming the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, guys, don't screw this up. Christmas, I mean, don't screw up what you get your wife and your girlfriend or both. Just kidding. Make sure you do it the right way. And that is why you have to do what I did last year and what I'm doing again this year. Get her something soft, something very luxurious, something she will look beautiful in and she'll be comfortable in and something you will love to see her in. And of course, I'm talking about 
the beautiful, comfortable, naturally nude pajamas at pajamagram.com. So good, they sell out every year. Bridget loves hers. She does. She loves them because they're super soft and luxurious. And I think she looks gorgeous in them. You will love them. Naturally nude pajamas are known for the ultimate comfort and style. Soft, silky, totally luxurious. Better than lingerie with a curved, caressing fit. And here's the best part. When you order naturally nude pajamas today, you're going to get a free naturally nude nighty. That's a $75 savings on a deluxe two-in-one complete gift. And that's not all. With Pajamagram, you can even add gift packaging. Now, that's one easy holiday gift that is sure to make her happy, but you have to hurry before it's gone. Go to Pajamagram today. Pajamagram.com today. For the naturally nude pajamas, you'll get the free nighty. They'll wrap it. They'll ship it to you. You'll be happy. She'll be happy as well. The naturally nude pajamas at pajamagram.com. It's like wearing next to nothing at all. So many styles and colors to choose from. Really beautiful stuff. So go to pajamagram.com right now and order them for her today. You don't want this to sell out and you don't want this to go and be something that you wish you got her and she hoped that she got and then didn't get it. So do it now. You'll get the free 90. She'll be happy. $75 savings on a deluxe two-in-one complete gift. Naturally nude pajamas, pajamagram.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli the White House announces $3 billion, with a B, $3 billion for green projects overseas, including nearly $500 million for gender equity. Yes. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, our fourth and final hour on the show today. Thank you for being here. Uh, hat tip to Kristen Stiles on Twitter. She had a great tweet. She said, Rich, is there an app that I could use to scan the items as I shoplift and it will tell me when I reach my max? <laughs> uh, excellent point, Kristen. I don't know if there's an app for that, but it's the old saying, you know, there's an app for that. If not, let's create it. Get really, really rich. Uh, at the Climate Change Conference, COP28 in Dubai, the White House vowed to spend $3 billion to help its international partners mobilize finance at the pace and scale required. Vice President Kamala Harris officially announced the move during her remarks at the COP28 conference, where she also laid the groundwork for a series of new historic actions across every sector of the economy, including energy, supply, transportation, and buildings, all while advancing environmental justice and promoting climate-resilient communities. Got that? Climate-resilient communities. Let me explain what climate-resilient communities are to you. What that means is that these are communities who will not be able to have the modern life that you and I enjoy so well. You know, things like air conditioning and being able to have their food refrigerated and having access to great life-saving medicine and everything else. The, 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 the um, climate-resilient communities are basically like this. You're poor and you're going to stay that way. Okay, because what the change between poor... Poverty to having things 
and enjoying a quality of life is entirely, entirely dependent upon energy. You need it. You can't you can't have progress without it. Not the the left's version of progress. I mean, actual progress. You can't progress away from poverty unless you have energy. You you, you can't. You, you can't progress away from low birth rates, uh, early, early childhood deaths and and uh, lower life expectancy rates. All those things require energy. They do. And energy has been the single greatest contributing factor to the uh, reason why people have a longer lifespan and a better quality of life. And if you don't allow that to happen in places around the world, because we in the West and also in places like Davos, the World Economic Forum, the WEF have decided that these people don't have the right to have these things because of climate change. Well, then you're just sentencing them to a life of poverty. But they don't care because it's the greater good. That's always how the left is. If you read history, whether it's whatever it is, whatever cultural revolution, it's for the greater good. Whatever casualties and sacrifices are there, ah, screw them. Greater good. That's it. You know, justify it that way. And you maximize the happiness of the masses. And if you lose some people on the side, what are you going to do? That's what they really think. Because you're not an individual in that system. You are just part of a group. The U.S. is committed to expanding international climate finance. I am proud to announce a new $3 billion pledge to the Green Climate Fund to help developing countries access capital to invest in resilience, clean energy, and nature-based solutions. Nature-based solutions. That's another... I, I tell you all the time how the left just loves to add words to things to make them longer and sound smart. They do this all the time. They just add words to things. Nature-based solutions means solar panels. It means uh, wind turbines. It means all those things. That's all nature-based. That's their new way of saying it. Nature-based. They always come up with these with these friggin' phrases that drive me crazy. They really do. You just say what you mean, please, and stop hiding behind lots of words. I learned early on when you're writing or you're speaking to use simple language and to say to try to communicate by using the least number of words possible. Good communicators use the least number of words possible. They don't go on with these, these long elaborate explanations for things. The left, you can never have a conversation with a lefty where they don't go on adding five, six words to something. And you go, what the hell does that even mean? But it doesn't mean anything. That's the thing. It's meant to just make your head spin. Very deep in the white house fact sheet are commitments to advancing gender equity amid climate change which includes an additional $449 million for new programs such as Global Girls Creating Change. How come they're girls, and how do we know if they're girls? How do we even define a girl? I'm just saying. Sounds very sexist to me, and also very anti-trans. Global Girls Creating Change, a program that seeks to give 900 girls and young women in 29 different countries professional opportunities in the sustainable economy. What the hell does that mean? The sustainable economy. What that means is that the government has decided, of course, to destroy fossil fuels. So that means that things like gas powered cars and stoves, all that is out. And to be part of the sustainable economy, it has to be all electric. And we're all supposed to pretend like that electric grid is powered by hamsters and not by the very things that the left wants to ban, like oil and natural gas and coal and things like that. The White House said the Rockefeller Foundation, hmm, the Rockefeller Foundation, I feel like 
I've heard of them before. They always seem to come up when it's these big, vast international plots, don't they? The Rockefeller Foundation. The Rockefeller Foundation will be committing $25 million to the Co-Impact Gender Fund, seeking to advance gender equity amid climate change. What the hell does that mean? I don't even know what that means, to advance gender equity amid climate change. I, I mean, is climate change causing people to not be equal based on their gender? Is, is that something that's happening where, like, the sun shines on men a different way? And that the, uh, the the rising seas will just drown women, I guess? Is that is the left arguing that now? Or is it just that the polar bears that aren't dying? They're just women polar bears, female polar bears. They're the ones dying, even though polar bears, the numbers have never been higher. And they're mean. They're mean creatures, polar bears, by the way. But regardless of the fact, you're not dying. You're not even close to dying. There's a, their population is growing rapidly. But I'm just trying to understand what gender equity amid climate change means. I'm just, I just want to understand, like, because I mean, women are usually always cold, at least in my house, my wife's always cold. So does that mean that they're warm up and they can finally stop complaining about how cold it is all the time? Just kidding. I don't, I, let me re- dump that, just uh, dump that for me for <laughs> hit the old dump, but uh, no, but you know this, I mean, women are always cold. They're always constantly, uh, my, I we can't go to the movies without my wife needing a sweater. House is always too cold. So is that going to change things? Because if that is the case, then, that, then climate change, I'm all in. That's a positive right there. I, global warming, yes, great. I'm going down a dark road here. Just dump the whole segment. Just dump it and don't <laughs> podcast this and just move on. We can start over. Start over. I'll go back to my crying over Doug Burgum. Uh, the UPS Foundation is also committing $3 million to the Climate Gender Equity Fund to foster a greener world and create economic opportunities for women. The White House's fact sheet on the initiative credited the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, which were passed by Congress and signed by, signed by Joe Biden over the past two years. Did you know that all these billions of dollars of your money were going overseas for all this nonsense? Did you know this? Probably not, right? Who knows if anybody in Congress knew this either? They don't actually read the bills. I'm sure the people that voted against it knew that. But I wonder about all the people that, that voted for it because of the, of the cool sounding name. You know, because you can't have a massive spending bill without a cool sounding name like the Inflation Reduction Act. Sounds awesome. Does nothing about inflation and is a complete climate scam. But, hey, got a good, good sounding name. Biden, of course, rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement a few months after former President Donald Trump withdrew the United States from it in 2020. The Paris Climate Agreement emphasizes gender equality and international equity in its preamble, stating, quote, Parties should, when taking action to address climate change, respect, promote, and consider their respective obligations on human rights, the right to health, the rights of indigenous peoples, local communities, migrants, children, persons with disabilities, and people in vulnerable situations, and the right to development, as well as gender equality, empowerment of women, and intergenerational equity. I'm sure they left out a whole bunch of different marginalized groups there. That's the other problem, too. It's like what I talked about with Dr. Wilford Riley. I mean, you sure you're not leaving anybody out there? I, didn't, I don't know if I heard enough about LGBT++ IA, every letter of the alphabet. I don't know where they are. They just assumed to be part of this. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. It's hard to say. But the impact of climate change on the LGBTQIA++ every letter of the alphabet group has been uh, uh, enormous. 
I mean, the sh- the sun shines on LGBTQI plus plus a a b c d e f g much differently than on straight people. Everybody knows that. Obviously, the UN also focuses on gender and its climate policy, claiming gender is a relevant point of analysis for developing and implementing climate policy and uh, action. The UN also states that gender is socially constructed and that a gender responsive approach to climate policy is critical to understanding vulnerability and to effectively adapt to and mitigate the impacts of climate change. Again, none of that means anything. These are literally words that have no meaning. And when you put them together, it doesn't give them any meaning. But this is leftism. This is left speak. You just take a bunch of words, you put them all together, and you make it sound really smart. Critical to understanding vulnerability and effectively adapt to and mitigate the impacts of climate change with a gender-responsive approach to a socially constructed issue. A relevant point of analysis for developing and implementing climate policy and action. Blah, 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 blah. Here's where we are. And your money, again, going overseas to pay for this crap. <laughs> I just, I, it's such a scam. I told you last week, I, I love Dubai. They're my new favorite country. They ran the biggest scam of all, the biggest scam in the whole world, which is they turned around and they said, we'll host your little climate change party. And we are, as we speak, we are drilling baby drill, drill baby drill, building new islands to drill, building new islands to drill. Amazing. Where does all this come from anyway? Where does all this come from? Who Who's behind all this? Well, very, very rich people who are going to get very, very rich off of all of this. That's what's happening. John Kerry, John Kerry, I imagine on his way to COP28 and his private jet and his horse face and his private motor cars and everything else. John Kerry says no more coal. I love this, too, because these guys say these things. They make these big grand pronouncements. And of course, China is the world's biggest polluter. They burn very dirty coal and we pretend like that's not happening. Uh, because we can't tell China anything because obviously Joe Biden is, well, he works for them. He's a, he's an employee. He's ba- I mean, I, I presume Joe Biden gets to go to Disneyland for free because he's a wholly earned subsidiary of China. John Kerry says no coal plants should be permitted anywhere in the world. Is what's wrong. During his speech at the, uh, 2023 United Nations climate change conference, Kerry said he's becoming more and more militant about climate policy. Because people are avoiding responsibility. Militant. That's a nice word. That makes me happy. Militant. We don't need that necessarily to tell us we ought to be transitioning out of coal. There shouldn't be any more coal power plants permitted anywhere in the world. That's how you can do something for health. And the reality is that we're not doing it. I could play this for you, but it's already been a depressing enough day with the revelation... Doug Burgum is no longer running for president. So I'm not going to double down on your unhappiness today. I'm having a terrible Monday. Now that the news has reached me that Doug Burgum is out, I'm not going to make my own day worse. Kerry spoke at the conference during the first ever dedicated health day, which intended to highlight the connections between the climate crisis and the health crisis. The climate crisis and health crisis are one and the same. Huh? How? Exactly. Well, because... And he's working to break new ground on China battling uh, climate change. Dr. Victoria Coates, who comes on the show once a week, who's brilliant, 
she made a great point. I always want to give her credit for this point. She said, you know, the thing about it is that China is helping Iran. You know, China buys Iran's oil. China's helping Russia. China is encroaching on the South China Sea. China is making plans to invade Taiwan. China is beefing up its Navy. And China is not our friend. But we will never call them out for this. A, because Joe Biden is a wholly owned subsidiary of China. That's my point. And B, Dr. Victoria Coates' point is, what's more important to the United States of America is not any of those things that I just said. It's not getting to the bottom of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It's not figuring out the next pandemic or figuring out why you have all of these undocumented Chinese migrants who keep showing up at the southern border. No, it is to get China on board with combating climate change. That is uh, numero uno, job numero uno. That's what it is. His, his, uh, his trip was largely unsuccessful, and he said, quote, we are going to need a little more work to break new ground with China on combating climate change. Because China doesn't give a damn, and they're going to continue to pollute, and China is going to continue to burn coal that's much dirtier than our coal. And we keep empowering them because Joe Biden's a wholly owned subsidiary of China, obviously. And we will not tell China a damn thing as it comes to them helping the people that we are supposedly like we're fight, We're spending all this money in Ukraine because Joe Biden's also bribed by Ukraine. And it's also in the process helping Russia because Russia is selling its liquid natural gas to places like France and Sweden and Spain. So Putin's getting rich off this war and Zelensky's getting rich off this war. But both Russia and Ukraine have bribed the Biden. So, you know, the House always wins, as they say. But we're I mean, we're spending all this money in this fake war in Ukraine and China is helping Russia. And we don't say a damn word about it because we'd rather have China help us with climate change than to help us with the war in Ukraine. So that should tell you everything you need to know right there about a our policy in Ukraine and this Fugazi war and B. Uh, how the United States can't say anything to China, because obviously our president is a wholly owned subsidiary of China. Right. And in the midst of all this. All right, fine. I'll play you horse face, John Kerry. Fine. You know what? My day has gone to hell in a handbasket anyway, Matt DeSantis. So I want you to share in my pain. So here his horse faceness, John Kerry. Marrow who, as Rush used to say, served in Vietnam. Cut number eight. The fact is that there's a new study by George Mason and by the Chan School at Harvard, which underscores that um, coal is, in fact, doubles the number of deaths over the other sources of air-carried pollution. And coal is about uh, PM 2.5. When you measure the PM 2.5, it's double uh, for coal. Now, we don't need that necessarily to tell us we ought to be transitioning out of coal. There shouldn't be any more coal-fired power plants permitted anywhere in the world. That's how you can do something for health. And the reality is that we're not doing it. So, um, you know, the measure here is, is really... Uh, sounding the alarm bell. I find myself getting more Oh, you haven't done that? It's so I funny. Is every time I hear these climate change fanatics speak, they're always sounding the alarm bell. We're all supposed to be dead by now. And I kind of wish we were because then we wouldn't have to listen to him. 855-839-1210. Well, shouldn't we have been drowned by now or at least been mauled to death by a polar bear? Fleeing the ice? Seeking refuge? <laughs> 
I mean, by now, we should be underwater and getting ripped to death by polar bears. Yeah, I would have thought we'd at least lose the coastal states by now. Yeah, by now, I mean, I, I, this, I should have a shore house by now, <laughs> just simply because of the flooding. Yeah. It should have reached Burlington County by now, and I should have an oceanfront home. Remember earlier this year, Greta Thunberg had to delete a tweet where she declared there'd be, like, climate catastrophes by 2023. Right. That was five years ago, and obviously it didn't occur, uh, so she had to remove the post. It's always awkward when that happens. It's always awkward when you have to change the timeline, you know what I mean? You get the Infinity Stone out, and you got to move it around, and it's awkward. I, want, I thought by now I'd have an oceanfront house and a pet polar bear on a leash that I called Jimmy, and I would feed him fish, and he'd be the last polar bear left. The last polar bear. And I'd have him. He'd be mine. <laughs> Kids, feed Jimmy. And they rang and throw fish at him, you know? It's the last polar bear. All the others died of climate change, and I got him. And he's, then they're nasty, too, so people would walk by and be like, oh, polar bear. Arr! Whoa. Easy, boy. You gonna mate him? Can't. No more polar bears. The last one. It's the last polar bear right here. We sit here and we watch the rising seas together as the water gets higher and higher in my house. So my oceanfront house, by the end of the day, I will just simply have a roof. A roof deck on the ocean. In the ocean. It'd be like a, like a, like a boat, you know? It'd be like a catamaran. <laughs> You're going to end up like Noah's Ark on a boat with the last of an, uh, of an animal. Yeah, species. just me and my polar bear yeah. just cruising around the earth. Except unlike Noah, you only brought one. You're I only brought one. Two. Yeah. So me and Jimmy just look at each other on the boat going, well, we're screwed. <laughs> Neither one of us thought to reproduce, huh? <laughs> eh, damn shame. I eh, can't think of everything, right? Want a sandwich? Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Listen, the great people at Cherry Hill Vavo would love to see you. They're already leading the way with incredibly aggressive pricing on all their Vavos. I mean, they, they are making it the best time ever to buy a Vavo. And on top of these already aggressive promotions that they have at Cherry Hill Vavo, they're adding on top. Because they're doing a big renovation of the dealership. And I'm really excited for them because there's a lot of great things happening over there. They're at the beginning of an exciting renovation, and that means that they need to make room for the construction equipment. So this month, take their already generous offers, already aggressive financing, and add these incredible offers. An additional $1,000 off all new Volvos plus owner loyalty and $2,000 off when you're financing or leasing through Volvo cars, plus a $7,500 lease rebate on all plug-in Volvos. The dedicated professionals at Cherry Hill Volvo pride themselves on always delivering the luxury experience that you deserve. And they'll certainly continue to do that throughout the remodeling of their dealership. That's why I chose and continue to choose Cherry Hill Volvo. I love my Volvo and you will too. Now, we'll be going down to the Grand Hotel of Cape May, like I said, December 15th. And we'll be taking the XC90. We'll get there nice and safe and sound. We'll go up to visit, we'll go up to visit Bridget's family in New York State upstate new york right after christmas and you know it gets snowy up there in the adirondacks but i know we'll be in good hands because the volvo xc90 is a beautiful and safe luxurious family car no matter what you want to go with if you want to go with new or previously enjoyed volvos if you want to do the care by volvo lease program like i do where every five months you get a new volvo and your one payment includes insurance your car insurance prepaid scheduled maintenance tire and wheel care fifteen thousand miles annually and more make sure you do it at Cherry Hill Volvo because they stand with us. And every day we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios.
So what are you waiting for? Reach out to them today. Go see them. They're right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, the area's most accessible Volvo dealership and the only Volvo dealership that stands with Talk Radio 1210 WPHD as our studio sponsor. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter. Cherry Hill Volvo. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in the free Odyssey app. Okay, it is a big fourth and final hour here. We got a lot going on. And as you can imagine, whenever we have these busy, busy days today, uh, we always like to make sure we cover all the big news. So I wanted to share a couple things with you, first of all. With regards to um, this, Kamala Harris and what she said raised a lot of eyebrows on Saturday. That in order to bring about a peaceful end to the war between Israel and Hamas... A war that began when Hamas terrorists attacked Israeli civilians, killing more than 1,200 of them. The United States should help to revitalize the Palestinian Authority. She made the comments during a recent trip to Dubai and claimed that the Palestinian Authority... Well, take a listen. Cut number 10. Well, as I said, we have to revitalize the Palestinian Authority, which means giving the support that is necessary for good governance. Um, understanding that on the issues that must be resolved as we think of a plan for the day after, it is about good governance, which will bring transparency and accountability to the people of Gaza and the West Bank. Um, it's also about what we need to do to recognize there must be some plan for security for the region. And I suspect it, as, a, as a plan develops, it will take into account interim and then longer term. And finally, what we must do in terms of rebuilding uh gaza and a commitment to that okay so there you go um we have to revitalize the palestinian authority i told you that the hatred the anti-semitism of the left is just it's palpable you can't get away from it i mean it's there um representative pramila j pal another hideous person she asked for balanced criticism in response to the question on the rapes that are committed by Hamas. You know, very few people on the left want to discuss this, bring this up, talk about this in any way, shape, or form. Uh, cut number nine. I want to ask you about uh, sexual violence. And the, it's kind of remarkable that this issue hasn't gotten enough attention uh, globally. Widespread use of rape, uh, brutal rape, sexual violence against Israeli women by Hamas. Um, I've seen a lot of progressive women, generally speaking, they're quick to defend women's rights and speak out against using rape as a, as a weapon of war, but downright silent on what we saw on October 7th and what might be happening inside Gaza right now to these hostages. Why is that? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think we, we always talk about the impact of war on women in particular. In fact, I remember 20 years ago I did a petition around the war in Iraq. Have you said, saying have that, you talked about it since oh, October absolutely. 7th? And I've condemned what Hamas has done. I've condemned Specifically all of women? the actions. Absolutely. The, the rape, the, of course. But I think we have to remember that Israel is a democracy. That is why they are a strong ally of ours. And if they do not comply with international humanitarian law, they are bringing themselves to a place that makes it much more difficult strategically for them yeah. to be able to build the kinds oh, of allies enough. to keep uh, Shut up. Opinion. This is, again, this is the same Barack Obama thing, too. 
You know, both sides have blood on their hands. But Israel was attacked by Hamas. 1,200 people died. And, and, and this, is, this is the game that these people play. You know, well, Israel's really, I mean, they had it coming in. They're, they're the bad guy. And what crimes against humanity? I mean, this is, this is the hatred that you hear from these people. Um, <clears throat> so Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis was, uh, he has not dropped out. Doug Burgum has dropped out. I know that some people might, might, oh, I'm sorry, what was that, Matt? You said, uh, oh, Dana Bash destroys yeah, her at the end. Oh, the keep end. going with yeah. it? Okay. It's like, there's only so much Pramila J. Powell I can take, but it's, it's been a tough Monday, to but the end. all right. And frankly, uh, morally, I think we cannot say that one war crime deserves another. That is not what international humanitarian with, with, law says. Okay, with, with respect, I was just asking about the, the women, and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific, and okay. I think that rape is horrific, sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm-hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. 15,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, three-quarters of whom and it's, are women and children. And it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping um Well, Dana, I think women. we're not... Yeah, you don't. You don't see Israeli soldiers raping Palestinian women. You, you don't. You don't. And good for her for pushing back on Pramila J. Pal. I, I mean, you know, good, but unfortunately... This is the Democrat Party today. You know, speeches by Chuck Schumer aside, this is who we're talking about here. This is why you have Kamala Harris saying she wants to revitalize the Palestinian Authority as a terrorist organization. That's what they are, a terrorist organization, the PLO. So, Governor uh, Doug Burgum dropped out of the race today. It was a sad day for everybody. Tough Monday, very, very tough Monday. I am trying to get through. I'm trying. It's been a very tough day. But Governor Ron DeSantis is still in the race as of right now. The question that NBC's Kristen Welker asked, as you see, uh, Paul Ryan came out and backed Nikki Haley, saying that it's time now for the party to get behind Nikki Haley. The establishment is doing its thing, and they are all backing Nikki Haley now. They have moved on from Ron DeSantis. They've moved on. His uh, debate performance the other night, notwithstanding, the establishment, the Republican people, the people that run the party, the, the, the money people, the masters of the universe, they have decided that Nikki Haley now is their new favorite. They want Ron gone. They don't know how to do it, but they want him out. They want it to be a one-person race. This is NBC's Kristen Welker asking Ron DeSantis a very important question. Now, I just want to preface this by saying the following, and that is that when Governor Ron DeSantis got in this race, I told you that I was not going to be getting in the middle of this fight between him and Trump because it's a long way to go, and I don't even know if he'll still be in the race by New Hampshire or Iowa. I said that. I don't know if he'll be able to raise the money. I don't know if he'll be able to translate the star that he has in Florida to the national level. It's a different game. It's, I mean, no disrespect to the guy. He's very talented. And he's, I think he's got a bright political future and he's the best governor in the country. But, it's, it's, it, but to translate that on a national stage, we've seen that before. And it doesn't always work, particularly when the guy you're running against is named Donald Trump. Just reality. Just reality. It's not, I know that, you know, the DeSantis people get mad at me for that, but I'm just. I, I'm telling you, I call it like I see it. You know, I call it like I see it, and that's how it is. But I think that you're hearing more and more questions about this now, about well, when when does the end come here for DeSantis? How much longer? Because now that the party has decided that it, he can't do it and they, they're backing Nikki Haley, it kind of is out of his control at this point. 
you know, it sort of becomes something that is out of his control. If the masters of the universe have decided that they have to circle their wagons around her and push her up. Cut number 12. So, Governor, I have to ask you, are you committed to staying in this race through the Iowa caucuses? Well, I'll tell you what, doing all 99 counties is a tradition here. It's something that Governor Reynolds advised that I do. And it's it's a way to, one, show that you're earning people's support. Uh, two, it's a way to hear from real people uh, outside of kind of the media bubble about what's important to them. And then I think, three, it reminds you that at the end of the day, uh, you're a servant. You're not a ruler. And we really believe in servant leadership. So we went everywhere. We showed up. We took questions. And we've been able to build a really incredible organization. We've got over 30,000 people that already committed to caucus for us. We're adding more every day. Of course, we have the endorsement by the great governor here, Kim Reynolds, and, of course, by uh, Bob Vanderplatz, most recently from the family leader. So I don't think anyone's ever done an Iowa caucus uh, with this amount of institutional and grassroots support, and it's only going to build for here, and we look forward to being victorious on January 15th. So just to be clear, you are committed to staying in the race through the caucuses? Of course I am. I mean, it's absurd that I wouldn't be. Uh, if you look at past Iowa caucus winners and compare to what you know people were saying in November with this poll or that poll, it almost never comes out uh, the same way. Bottom line, is Iowa do or die for you, Governor? We're going to win Iowa. Uh, I think it's going to help propel us to the nomination, but I think we'll have a lot of work that we'll have to do beyond that. I don't think you take anything for granted. Uh, he's not, he's not going to win Iowa. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm telling you right now, he's not, he's not going to win Iowa. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the polls in Iowa right now. And, um, <clears throat> it's not, it's not good for him. If you look at the real clear average, the real clear politics average of polls right now for Iowa, um, it's, he's not, he's, I mean, he's not, he's not going to win Iowa. You know what I mean? So, um, <clears throat> Trump's at 61% in the, in in the polls and DeSantis is at nine, Haley's at ten, Christie's at one. Asshat Hutchins Hutchins, did I say that correctly? Uh, Hutchinson. I, thank you. Asshat Hutchinson is at one percent, and now Doug Burgum. Doug, you left us, man. You left. You left us, Doug. You left us, <clears throat> and I barely knew you, Doug Burgum. Barely knew you. And Chris Christie's at one percent. So, um, <clears throat> I, I mean, at some point you have to turn around and you have, you ha- you have to say, uh, you you when do you get out? And then the thing about it is, and again, this is this is not me saying this. This is what the Republican establishment is saying to Ron DeSantis, which is that there's a window here that's closing for you, and we are now decided that it's got to be Nikki Haley, and that time is coming up here to it to an end everybody has their time to go and typically you go until the money but the problem is that um the support is just it's it's just leaving him now for her and i have nothing to do with that i i believe me i i'd much rather have ron DeSantis as president than nikki haley i do not want nikki haley as president but i also can see these numbers trump's lead is just insurmountable period it's just insurmountable nothing something cataclysmic would have to happen and i think these guys are staying in hoping that it happens by the time iowa comes around but you know reality is not it's not going to be by that if anything happens that would really derail trump's chances that that's going to be down the road well past all this you know what i mean 
And I don't think it, that thing's going to come anyway, because I don't think it matters if he's convicted of something. I don't think it matters if he's in jail. I don't think it matters. I think his support is just steadfast, and I don't think voters care. I think voters have are viewing this as what it is, as a political prosecution. So anyway, um, look, when it comes to Christmas, I'm a big fan of giving people gifts that they will never return. You know what I mean? Sometimes you give people a gift. There's an old joke a comedian said years ago. He said, uh, like somebody gave him a sweater and it didn't fit. They said, well, you can always just return it for a different size. And he said, I'll probably just throw it out. I don't need an errand. Forget the comedian. I think it was um, the same guy, Jim Gaffigan, I think is who it was. who did the Hot Pockets bit, which is great. But anyway, I don't want to give you an errand to run. I want to give you something you're going to love. And that's why I send Omaha Steaks because Omaha Steaks is the gift that everyone appreciates and loves. And there's so many choices with Omaha Steaks from Tender, juicy, bacon-wrapped filet mignons, easy-to-prepare comfort meals, lobster tails, mouth-watering gourmet burgers. Uh, It's all there. Pork chops. Oh, delicious pork chops. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, and every steak is aged 28 days. That's what makes Omaha Steaks different. Omaha Steaks age are aged a minimum of 28 days, so you get the absolute best flavor. Those low-energy grocery store steaks you're getting are probably not aged 28 days, and that's the difference. Omaha Steaks is the world's best beef, naturally aged for the ultimate in tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. This holiday season, skip the guesswork and give the guaranteed perfection of Omaha Steaks. You can save 50% off site-wide, and here's the best part. Get an extra $30 off your order when you use my name, Zeoli, at checkout. Z-E-O-L-I. Do that at checkout. They'll know I sent you. That's number one. It's very important to give the show credit. And also, you'll get the extra $30 off as well. So think about everybody on your, li- your list from your boss, coworkers, family, friends. Everybody loves great food. Everybody loves the delicious food from Omaha Steaks. The best guarantee in the business. And five generations of American food here, baby. Five generations. In fact, I just talked to Todd Simon, the CEO of Omaha Steaks. He's the fifth generation CEO. So it's been a family company right in America's heartland this entire time. America's oldest butcher. Omaha Steaks, the gift from the heart. Just go to omahasteaks.com right now. 50% off site wide and get the extra $30 off at checkout when you use my name, Zioli. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. This Monday could not have gotten any worse if I tried. With the breaking news that Doug Burgum is out of the race. Worst Monday ever, but at least it's over now. It's over. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow is the first day of the rest of your life. I want you to remember that. You heard that from me. You know who said that? I said that. (laughs) I mean, other people have said it too, but... Uh, Jackie Heinrich asked Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House fembot slash press secretary, a few questions today. One of them was about, so the Democrats in Florida canceled their primary. I told you the Democrats do not want to have a primary. If they do replace Joe Biden, which is highly likely that they will, uh, it's not going to be an open thing. They're not going to risk Bernie Sanders getting in there or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or anyone else. They will control the process and make sure that their handpicked person becomes the Democrat nominee. Period. That's how they do this. That's how the masters of the universe on their side of the aisle work. And so they canceled the primary. Jackie Heinrich asked a great question today of KJP. Take a listen. So does the Florida party then effectively canceling the Democratic primary also constitute voter suppression? I can't speak to that. Why not? You have to speak to the campaign or the DNC. 
does the White House have any thoughts on, on I can't, those I can't, voters being? I, I can't speak to that. Is it because of the Hatch Act? Or? I just, this is, you're talking about 2024 election. You're talking about a primary. I'm just not going to speak to that from here. Okay. Okay, just I'm not going to talk about it. Of course it's voter suppression. You're denying Democrats the right to choose their nominee. How else do you describe it? Is the Democrat machine absolutely suppressing the choice of Democrat voters? Of course it is. Say it. Say it. They're the ones who actually use voter suppression tactics, not Republicans. Democrats do. That's exactly what that is. Uh, she was also asked about, and you, I played the clip for you, Premier Jay Powell, uh, who would really try to equate Hamas raping women with what Israel's doing. A vile, vile, disgusting person that she is. Vile person. And Dana Bash pushed back on her and said, but Israeli soldiers are not raping Palestinian women. Hamas is raping Israeli women. Uh, White House press secretary was asked about that today. Take a listen. And then can I get the White House's response to... Uh, Congresswoman Jaya Paul's comments over the weekend uh, in her interview, she said sexual violence should be condemned, but that we have to be balanced in our condemnation. Was that an appropriate comment? So we've been very, very clear. Uh, you heard a little bit from, from Jake Sullivan about this. Um, I can only speak for, for the president. Uh, that's who I can speak for. And we've been clear. What uh, Hamas did is absolutely reprehensible and full stop. We're going to continue to be clear about that. And we think about, um, you know, rape and the use of rape as being used as a as a weapon. Uh, that is also reprehensible. And that's full stop. And I'll just leave it there. And I'm speaking for the president of the United States. So I think they've been very clear on that. Any comment, though, I, for I just, Congresswoman Jai I just commented on it. I just laid out what we believe is unacceptable. Well, you know what? The, the, the problem here is that this is your party. Your party believes this and this anti-Semitism problem does not exist in the ranks of the Republican Party. You know, for years we heard all these lies told by the left that Donald Trump was an anti-Semite and he was going to be the next Hitler. Remember, Remember all that stuff? This is the Democrat Party. This is who they are. And when people show you who they are, pay attention. People show you who they are. Listen. Listen. Don't try to interpret it through a different lens. Don't listen to the spin. People show you who they are. Pay attention. The Democrats right now are showing you who they are. And this is a problem in this party. This this anti-Semitic strain that is running through the Democrat Party right now, this anti-Israel strain is there in full display. But it's been there for a long time. There's a reason why Barack Obama was trying to help Iran and get a nuclear weapon. I'm not saying it was to destroy Israel. But what I'm saying is that because he believed that a country like Iran, which wants to destroy Israel, deserves a nuclear weapon and a seat at the table because these people do not believe Israel should exist. And I'm not suggesting that he wanted them to nuke them. I'm just simply saying he wanted Iran to be in a position where they could be as strong as any other country in the world right there next to Israel. And Joe Biden has gone along with that because Barack Obama pulls his strings. Have a great rest of your night tonight. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Back with you tomorrow from 3 until 7. In the meantime, keep the conversation going on X. At Rich Zioli. And don't forget, December 15th, mark your calendar, our last broadcast of the year at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, Friday, December 15th. See you there. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.